Hello, 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 my friends. Welcome to another episode of Rookie Mistakes, episode 42. It is Monday, April 8th. We are finally back on schedule. I'm recording this on a Monday, and I'm excited because we are T-minus one week away from the final season of Game of Thrones. I'm a little bit worried, I have to say, though, because if it's anything like a George R.R. Martin ending, you got to think maybe we're not going to really like what happens. Is Jon Snow and Daenerys, are they actually going to end up on top? Are we going to get a happy ending? I feel like there's going to be a lot of dissatisfaction. I guess we'll have to see, though. We're almost there. Getting right into the episode, though, we are going to be talking today about Bangkok. This is the travel guide to Bangkok. And like the travel guide to Seoul, this one is very detailed because I lived in Bangkok for a month and a half. I was there from the end of August to October, the beginning of October. And I lived all over the city. I didn't really live in the tourist parts. I lived more on the outskirts and in the actual neighborhood. So I feel like I got a really true picture of what it's actually like to be in Bangkok. I got a I think experience that's different probably from what most people have had. As far as visiting Thailand in general, if you're looking to go to other places, I would recommend Phuket and Chiang Mai. Those are the two other really popular places to go. A lot of people I've talked to actually don't really like Bangkok when they visited, so that's something to consider. If you are always on Instagram and you're seeing pictures of Thailand, what you've probably seen is people riding elephants. That's a popular one. And then you've probably also seen people on the beach. So... If you want to do the elephant thing, you're going to have to go to Chiang Mai. They have an elephant sanctuary there, so that's where you can ride the elephants and, you know, pet them, feed them, do all that fun stuff. And then as far as the beach goes, that is at Phuket Island. So you'll see people on the beach and then in the background, usually you'll see this this kind of structure in the water. It goes up in the air. It's not like something you can climb. It's this rock structure. And yes, that's a famous place to go as well. So those are two other places to consider if you're going to Thailand. I was only in Bangkok for my entire time in Thailand, so I didn't get to experience those places. Bangkok was a special place, I'd say, because it is really the first place that planted the seed for me wanting to travel. My original travel idea before I ended up, you know, doing what I actually did, my whole plan was to only live in Bangkok actually for a year. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to live in Bangkok because I was really into Muay Thai. That was something that was a bucket list item for me. That was something I wanted to do, you know, like train in Muay Thai. And then also I really liked Thai food and I was just really curious about Thai culture. So Bangkok was that place and it's crazy how things change, man. Like that goal of mine, that want and then from, you know, actually living in Bangkok for the month and a half, it really, you know, changed that perspective and what I actually ended up thinking about Bangkok as opposed to what I was thinking when I initially wanted to live there for a year. It is really different. And that I think is a good lesson in the fact that you don't have to be married to an idea and you don't need to feel bad about what you thought you would think being completely different and maybe not liking a place or liking an experience. I think it's a good thing to be able to admit it to yourself and not feel like you have to, you know, stick to something because you originally intended to it. I remember always talking to my mom about how much I wanted to go to Bangkok and that was the one place where she was kind of hesitant for me to go because even though it is you know, basically a first world country, there is still a lot of things you have to worry about. And you're going to hear all about that 
as we get into this episode, but there is a lot to worry about, whether that's the water and getting food poisoning from different things, whether that's like raw vegetables or fruits, and then some of the way they prepare the food. The things that I did come to find out, like you kind of, there is like the worry about you know, stray animals and things like that. And then rabies, that was something I was worried about. And if you're a tourist, if you're there for, you know, let's say a week, it's not going to be that big of a deal. You wouldn't have to worry about something that like that. But for me living there and actually being in the neighborhoods and seeing the amount of stray animals, I also didn't have any travel insurance at that point. The travel insurance expired. It was six months that I had travel insurance for. So by the time I was in Bangkok, I didn't have travel insurance. And I was also running out of money at that point. So I was not really willing to pay again for travel insurance. I think it was going to be something like $500 just for, you know, like three months, let's say for living in Bangkok and then being in Tokyo. And so I think my experience could have been a lot better in Bangkok than it actually was. And I think I was worried a lot about certain things happening because I'm more, I think of a risk adverse person and I kind of worry about things that, you know, could potentially happen. And so having to be really careful with, you know, what I ate and what I did and making sure I didn't get injured in any way or something bad happening to me, you know, like losing my luggage or something like that. I think that put a little bit of stress on it and then being more towards the end of my travels. Whereas if I was at the beginning of my travels and I had, you know, a lot more money and I wasn't really worried about the money situation, there would have been a lot more convenience with my time in Bangkok because as you will once again learn as we talk is it's kind of inconvenient, I would say, in Bangkok unless you are, you know, in the city center. So what that means is, you know, you're paying more for where you're staying, which I couldn't do. I had to stay on the outskirts, like I said. And then also the transportation situation with the amount of traffic in Bangkok, it's insane. So that made it difficult to getting around because I had to rely more on buses and things like that instead of always taking taxis. And I was also worried about getting scammed. That's something else you have to worry about in Bangkok, about people taking advantage of you. So yes, I think it could have been a much better experience than it was. And I did hate it after the experience, after living there for a month and a half. I really changed my mind about, you know, Bangkok, me wanting to live there for a year turned into me like absolutely hating it. And I was able to admit that to myself, which I thought was good. Looking back on it now, I wouldn't necessarily say I hate it, but I would just say that it was the most challenging place that I went to and there's just a lot of factors that made it really difficult and I would say it was a very rough time with you know the weather the things I just mentioned a lot of the time I had to stay in because the weather was so bad that I couldn't really go out and then also having a hard time getting around with the transportation things like that being outside of the center being away from everything you know it just made things a real adventure and made it really difficult to actually do things in Bangkok so yeah there's just all these factors that made it difficult so that's what I'll say about Bangkok right off the bat for the areas of Bangkok I would recommend staying in Sukhumvit if you can. That's S-U-K-H-U-M-V-I-T. And that's one of the main streets in Bangkok. That's one of the really, I think, 
kind of metropolitan areas of Bangkok. That's where you'll see a lot of cool restaurants, a lot of shopping, and that is a great place to be because it's also right next to the transportation in Bangkok. So it's really easy to get around using the public transportation because one of the big issues in Bangkok is the traffic. And so even if you do end up you know, taking a taxi or something like that, it's really difficult to get around and it takes a long time, even if you're not going necessarily a long distance. So that's something that sucks. And so, yes, you're going to want to be near Sukhumvit. That's where the M Quartier Mall is as well. What you'll learn about that as we talk more is that that's like one of the really, I think, cool parts of Bangkok is, is this mall. It's, I think, the best mall I've ever been to. And so I recommend living in that area if you want to learn about other areas of Bangkok to stay or to visit. I'm not really going to get into it myself, but I will recommend to you the resources that I use, and I think they're really good. So you get kind of a good understanding of these pockets, these neighborhoods in Bangkok you're going to want to spend time in. And then also it tells you about, you know, like the vibe and what you can expect from places. So one article I'd recommend, you just want to type in nerd nomads, where to stay in Bangkok on Google. That's a great article. It actually gives you a breakdown. It'll show you a map and it has like color coded their areas. So you actually get, a, you know, you get to see it, which is nice. Another great article is where to stay in Bangkok getting stamped. Type that in on Google. That's a good one. And then also the culture trip, the 10 coolest neighborhoods in Bangkok. Those three articles, I think if you read those, you'll get a really good understanding of the areas you're going to want to check out and then from there you'll be able to decide where you want to stay also remember it's going to depend on if you're doing airbnb if you're doing a hotel that will factor in and how much that's going to cost so those are the areas of bangkok i'm going to start with things to do instead of food today and so with things to do as i started with the episode i said there was a lot of difficulty with you know, doing things, whether that was getting around or the weather. And so I would say I didn't necessarily do a lot. Did I, you know, check out the main things? Yes. Do I think I got the most out of my month and a half with seeing things? No, I don't. And so I would say that I'm not necessarily able to give you a super, I think, detailed guide or experience on some of the things when it comes to like street markets and things like that, because I frankly missed out on a lot of that. But Getting right into what you're going to want to do, these are the things that I did. I think the main attraction in Bangkok when you're actually, you know, like looking to see something, you're looking to go to somewhere, I think the Grand Palace is the best experience by far. It's $15 to enter and what you'll find out as well, I didn't know this going into it, but the Temple of the Emerald Buddha, that's another highlight of Bangkok. That is actually located within the Grand Palace grounds as well. So you're killing two birds with one stone. You're paying $15 to see the Grand Palace and then also the Temple of the Emerald Buddha. The Thai name for the Temple of the Emerald Buddha, if you want to look that up or if you ever see that, it's Wat Frey Kao. I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it. I'm going to be butchering the Thai language throughout this episode episode just get ready for it but it's w-a-t-p-h-r-a-e-k-e-k-a-e-w excuse me so that's the thai version of the name there is a dress code for this place that is something to keep in mind if you are not following the dress code do not worry because they have clothes to cover you religion's really important in thailand and like being respectful towards that is important with buddhism and so you're not supposed to bare your shoulders or your feet if you're wearing sandals or flip-flops then you have to be wearing socks for women no see-through clothing no you know 
I think it's pretty obvious. You kind of get have a good idea of like what you should be wearing or what you shouldn't be wearing. Men aren't supposed to actually wear shorts. You're supposed to wear pants. I think if I remember that I was wearing shorts and it wasn't a big deal. So just keep that in mind. You can kind of go by what other people are wearing as well. And then there's no tank tops. That goes to the whole no bearing shoulders thing. So even for men, no tank tops. And like I said, if you need clothes, let's say if you're not dressed appropriately, they have clothes you can wear and then you just give a deposit and then you know, you give them back afterwards and you get your deposit back. So not a big deal if you are not dressed accordingly. That was a really fun experience. I think that was the highlight for me in Thailand of all the temples you're going to see. I think the Temple of the Emerald Buddha, that whole area, walking around that, I think it's a very fun experience. I think it's very cool. I think as far as the temples go, that's the best one. That was my opinion, at least. Another place you might want to check out is called the Golden Mountain Temple. This is a really easy thing. It's not super crowded. You get a nice panoramic view of the area and you get a little climb up to the top. It's really cheap and it's also a quick experience. A lot of the places I'm going to mention, I would say that you don't necessarily need to go. I I honestly believe, like me personally, that if you go to the Grand Palace, you've really you know, you've seen it all. You're not necessarily going to need to see everything else. There's tons and tons and tons of temples to see in Bangkok, but it's one of those things. I feel like once you've seen one temple, you've kind of seen them all. And really what Bangkok is really for, I'd feel like, or like what there is a lot of popularity with is these, you know, pilgrimages. So people that are Buddhist, they'll go to all these different temples and they'll go to pray. And it's more of like a religious experience, I would say, for a lot of these places. So they're not necessarily places you need to go. I think the Golden Mountain Temple is one of them that you don't necessarily need to go. So keep that in mind. It is cheap. Like I said, it is really quick. And there's kind of like a cool little climb up. You do a little hike and it's it almost feels like Indiana Jones going into it. It's kind of like jungly. And there's, you know, they have the misters on. And then as you go up, it becomes, you know, a nice little, a little bit of a trek. So that is the temple, or that is the Golden Mountain Temple. The next place I would recommend, and this place is right near the Grand Palace. So you can do both of these together in the same day. It's called Wat Pho, W-A-T-P-H-O. And it's the Temple of the Reclining Buddha. This is a nice area to walk around. The temple grounds as well, I think, are pretty unique. And they have, you know, unique pieces of architecture and just being able to walk around. They have all these pillars everywhere. So it's a cool place to check out. I would say that place and then the Grand Palace were my two favorite as far as things that I did. The Reclining Buddha is a 150-foot statue. So that's, a you know, unique and I think more of a travel highlight that is something you're going to want to check out. So that is the Temple of the Reclining Buddha. And then honestly, that's really what I'd recommend to you as far as everything in terms of going to see places. I Like I said, temples in general, they're everywhere. There's so many attractions around them. And honestly, it's not... I mean, once you've seen the Grand Palace and you've seen... Wat Pho, I feel like nothing else is really going to impress you. Did I go to other temples? Yes. Do I think they're worth mentioning or of any note? No. So I think you should really take my advice on this with Asia and the Thai culture specifically. I think just experiencing the culture and walking around and seeing all the different things and 
kind of just the shenanigans and the underlying things that go on, especially with Thailand. Thailand is a very unique place, Bangkok especially, because I would say that tourism has completely transformed Bangkok, not in a good way, and it's made for some interesting things. Let's just say that. I'm not going to really get into it. We're going to try and keep this episode PG, but yes, there's some crazy crap that goes on in Bangkok. So there are other things to do, I would say. Not necessarily to do those things. I'm not recommending to do those things, but to just see to see the surface level of what that's like. And we'll get a little into it in a second. But yes, it is it is very interesting, I will say. So the next thing I would recommend, and this is weird because it's like I'm recommending a mall, but you know what? you got to go to this mall. Like I mentioned earlier, it's called the M Quartier Mall. It's near Sukhumvit Road. That's the main street, as I said. I think this is the prime example of wealth in Bangkok. If you really do go out into the neighborhoods, you're going to see a lot of poverty. And this mall, though, is, you know, it's like the, I think, the pride and joy of development in the city. And it is, I think, the best mall I've ever been to. It's the nicest. It's the cleanest. It's the newest. It's crazy. There's two separate buildings. They're like skyscrapers and it's filled with great shopping. It's got all the high-end brands. It's got everything you could ever imagine. And there's tons of restaurants. What's cool is that one of the buildings is mostly shopping and restaurants. And then I'd say the other building is more dedicated to restaurants. And what it is, is just this It's like this circular pathway going up. So you could either take the elevator to different floors or you can just go wind like wind your way up. And it's just like rows and rows of restaurants as you wind your way up to the very top. And they have all the food you can imagine, Mexican food, Chinese food, Japanese food. There's Thai food. There's literally every cuisine you could ever want. There's tons of cool cafes and like coffee shop type places there's cool dessert places there's balconies to go outside and you get a view of you know bangkok it's a really awesome place to go there's bars highly recommend going here i went here only a few times because it was a pain for me to get there from you know living outside the center of the city but i have really fond memories going here because i'd go to the bookstore they had there they had this Japanese bookstore with you know all English books as well and it was just a really nice bookstore and I'd spend hours in there and I'd buy some books I'd you know be reading them back at my Airbnb and then I'd go back to the mall explore the you know the bookstore again get more books eat food at the restaurants good food and I really enjoyed that so yes I really recommend you check out those malls especially if you're into shopping that is the place to shop that's where you're going to want to go another cool mall to visit also on Sukhumvit Road Terminal 21 that one is once again you know like a wealthier type mall it's nice a lot of shopping restaurants it doesn't compare at all to M Courtier but It is one you might want to check out. The last thing I would recommend, and this, once again, this goes to the the surface level, the the things that go on in Bangkok. So Soy Cowboy is this small street in the center of Bangkok. Once again, close to Sukhumvit Road. I don't know how close it is. I don't, it's not on Sukhumvit Road, but it's like close. It's in that area. So what Soy Cowboy is, for all you that don't know, I'm sure most of you heard the tales, but Bangkok is really known for the the lady boys there so it's the men that you know have become women or are transitioning into becoming women and so soy cowboy is this small street where it's just lined with go-go bars and i was surprised at how small it actually was i was thinking it would be a lot longer of a stretch of a street but 
literally on both sides, it's all just bars and it's all these go-go dancer girls, you know, scantily dressed just outside these bars and trying to entice people in. Is it women? Yes. And then there's the lady boys as well. So, you know, you get a little bit of both and I didn't go to any bars. I didn't, you know, do anything. I just wanted to see what it was like. And so I walked through and I have to say I was very uncomfortable because... I was expecting them to, you know, try and entice me to like go into one of the bars because, you know, me being a male by myself and not Thai, I figured, you know, they'd be trying to get after me and they didn't, thank God. I remember, you know, watching funny videos before I actually went to Bangkok about men basically being being followed by women to, you know, try and entice them. I remember I watched this one vlogger. I don't remember... I don't remember what his name was, but I remember watching this one video and he's just, you know, vlogging, walking down some random street. And one of the lady boys, I say her, I was caught by this, this gentleman and she followed him for, I'm not even kidding, five minutes, you know, in this short dress and she's got heels on and she's trying to, you know, talk to him and get him to come with her. And he is just walking away and eventually gets to the point where He has to run away because she just keeps following him. So that is something I thought I'd have to deal with. And luckily, no one talked to me. So yes, you will see that. You will see a ton of foreigners in that area. And you'll see people at bars. I actually wish I got a chance to go to the bars just to like drink and have like an experience of a night out. But I never really met anyone in Bangkok to hang out with, unfortunately. Bangkok was spent a lot of alone time by myself. And I definitely think if you're with people, if you're traveling to Bangkok with people, that it would be a lot better of an experience than you can check out that place. So that's Soy Cowboy. There is another place just like that. You know, it's we'll we'll call it the red light district areas of Bangkok. One other place that's like that. Maybe you want to check that out if you're into things like that. Let me find it really fast. I have to go all the way down to scams because we are going to be talking about scams as well. There are a lot of scams in Bangkok you have to watch out for. But yes, one of the scams involves this area. And so it's called Patpong. And I didn't go over there, but apparently that's another like red light district area of Bangkok you can check out obviously there's a lot of things that go on a lot of after after bed activities a lot of nighttime activities that can go on in Bangkok do I recommend doing any of those no but yes they are available and that is why it's really popular with foreigners I would say that was something that I think was the most interesting was seeing the influence of the foreigner in a place that is a little bit impoverished When you think of wealthy people, let's say in the United States, just think of all the really opportunity they have or just the things that they can do, whether that's, you know, like going to really nice restaurants or having the money to have cool experiences and doing fun things. And then the attraction with wealth. I'm really talking about men here and just kind of what wealth does for men and how women are attracted to money. You know, sometimes some women are and that's a factor and it was interesting going to a place like Bangkok because there are a lot of middle-aged white men that end up living here they're expats and they end up living in Bangkok and you really do see that everywhere and it was just interesting to see because 
I don't think they're necessarily like super wealthy, right? But it's almost like what wealth does for you and like the elite and the wealthy, what that gets you in, you know, places like the US or Canada or other first world countries, like really wealthy parts of the world. You can almost get that experience in a place like Bangkok because you don't need to have as much money because everything is cheap. And so it was interesting seeing the women. That's something you'll see a lot is you'll see these these older white men with these young Thai girls as like girlfriends. And then that's another thing if you live there, you have to worry about is like, is the person you're dating, are they with you for the right reasons? Or are they with you because they're trying to get into the United States? That's something I always think about like athletes. That's something athletes have to worry about is, you know, if you're, if you're, having experiences with women you kind of have to watch out for yourself because they're trying to sometimes women will try and get pregnant and then that's a way to get a payout basically because they see you as a target and that exists as well in Bangkok so I think just seeing that firsthand was really interesting to me am I judging or anything no do what you want I don't really have an opinion on that but I just thought that was really interesting and so that goes along with you know soy cowboy and other places the the just yeah it was a very it was, it's a very unique place like thailand and that just goes to show too how tourism has had such a major f- impact on bangkok it really caters to tourism it's like a i don't want to you know like they say v- vegas is the city of sin right like that's kind of i feel like bangkok it's it caters to that that idea of like these these things that you can do these nighttime activities or whatever it may be i love how i'm calling it nighttime activities trying to keep it pg but yeah there's just so much that you can do that is a it's so much you can do that's available to you that's that you you can't really get anywhere else and it's yeah it goes to that idea of like them trying to attract people and you'll find there's a lot of English and Australian expats that live in Bangkok. So yes, that's my whole little spiel on, you know, Soy Cowboy and all the things that happen there and all the things you can do. There's, I'm telling you, there's some crazy stuff. I met a guy, I talked about him in one episode, a guy I met in, I think it was, where was it? It was in, where did I meet him? Why am I blanking on this right now? Yes, in Bucharest. I met him in Bucharest and then I also met him in Poland, right? And so he had went to Bangkok before I did and so he told me a lot about it before I went you know we talked and some of the things that he told me that he saw and that I just it literally blew me away just like those things existed and it's in once again a nighttime activity type stuff I didn't do any of that stuff was it not my thing or anything like that but like hearing about it and like the things that people do and the things you can see (laughs) it's absolutely blows my mind so that's all i'll say about that those are the things to see in bangkok definitely like i said check out soy cowboy i think once again you don't need to participate but and maybe if you're more conservative you're super conservative right you're gonna think like oh my god like this is horrible the things that are happening here like look at these people how they're dressed look at all this look at all this sin right but i think it's a really good eye-opener to just see that and see like places like this exist and like to see that side of Bangkok I think it's important because it is actually a very big part of what goes on in Bangkok it's a big part I don't want to necessarily say it's a big part of the culture because like Thai culture is very I think beautiful and it's about respect and Buddhism and things like that right there's like that whole side to it and it's it's amazing but then there's the whole side once again like kind of catering to the tourists and like what it's become what tourism has done what happens 
in Bangkok, there's that side too. And I think it's important to see both sides because it is something you're not really going to see anywhere else necessarily in the world. Maybe you'll see it in other parts of Asia, but you're not going to really see that in, you know, Western parts of the world, whether that's Europe or um, the United States, for example. So yes, that is that for markets, markets are huge. There's night markets. There are markets on the water waterfront markets which are cool there are weekend markets there are so many markets to check out and i wouldn't necessarily say that i'm the best person to give you info on these because i'd say that's where i really struggle just in general with my entire travel experience was with markets because i don't think i'm very educated to know like when it comes to bartering right or if you want to buy stuff i'm really hesitant to to buy things and really check things out because I don't really know if I'm being taken advantage of. I don't really have an education on things. I don't know what prices are good. I don't know if something's fake or not, if something's going to be real. So I kind of just stayed away really from markets that I checked them out. Yes. And then as far as eating food at the markets, I didn't really do that. And I will get into that on the food portion, but the markets you're going to want to check out, the ones that are popular, there's one called Chaduchak Weekend Market. That's C-H-A-T-U-C-H-A-K. That's one of the more popular markets. This is a weekend market. It's from Friday to Sunday. And then you, they also have the plant sections of the market open on Wednesday and Thursday. So if you're looking to buy some flowers, what do you get at these markets? Most of them, it's all going to be, you know, similar things. It's art. There's books, collectibles, antiques, clothing, and accessories. If you're looking for some, you know, piece of Thailand, if you want to bring something home, or if you're looking for souvenirs, the markets are a great place to check these things out. So that market, I highly recommend going to. Another market that's cool, and I've seen different spellings for this all over the internet, so I don't know. I know Google Maps has it as a certain way. So actually getting there, if you're using GPS, you're going to want to spell it the way I'm about to say it. It's called Pak Klong Flower Market. It's P-A-K-K-H-L-O-N-G. And then I've also seen it as Pa, so P-A-H, and then Klong is spelled the same. This, like the name says, flower market, beautiful flowers, so many colors. There's, It's vibrant. They sell food as well. So if you're into, you know, if you're into flowers, if you're into gardening, if you're looking for things like that, that's a cool little place to check out. I think that's pretty unique to a lot of the market experiences you can have because that's not necessarily always a thing. Another market that's really popular, it's called Pradunam Market. That's P-R-A-T-U-N-A-M. This place, it's clothes and accessories. Another market really popular, and this one is a, is, you know, this is the street food. This is the food market. It's called Rod Phi Night Market or Rot Phi Night Market. I've seen both spellings. So it's R-O-D and then F-A-I or R-O-T-F-A-I. This one opens at five to midnight, Thursday to Sunday. I actually did go to this one, but it was raining so heavily that no one was there. And I also got there at 5.30, so that might have been a factor too. I think you're gonna wanna go later. It's not like you're gonna really wanna go right when it opens. And I didn't actually end up eating anything because I was really worried. And I, once again, once I get the food, I'm gonna get into this. I didn't experience things to the best of my abilities, but you know what? You will hear about why. Another cool market, this one's more of a commercial vibe. This one, I think if you're going on a family vacation to Bangkok, this one you're going to want to check out. Probably this one will probably appeal more to your kids. 
It's called Asiatique, A-S-I-A-T-I-Q-U-E. This one's on the river. They have shopping in actual buildings. It's not like tents set up. And then there's theatrical shows to check out. There's a Ferris wheel. So that's like a, think more of like a, uh, a I don't want to say carnival type vibe, but think of more of kind of, if you've ever been, this is only going to really make sense for Los Angeles people. If you've ever been to the Santa Monica Pier, then it's kind of like that, same idea. So that's something to check out. The floating markets, highly recommend checking those out. I didn't get a chance to do those. I wish I did looking back on it, but there are so many floating markets that honestly, it's really hard to choose which ones to go to. What I will say about markets in general, you're gonna wanna do extensive research and it's one of those things too, if you can get someone with firsthand experience or if you can talk to a local, I think there is such a, a amazing world to discover with markets, whether, you know, like usually you'll get your surface level experience. And I think if you can dive deeper, there's so many cool things probably to experience, whether that's like street food that you can eat or just things that you can buy that are really cool that you're going to want to take home. So do your research. The ones I named are really popular. I think for floating markets, you want to look into those. Those are really unique. So I highly recommend, even though I didn't do it myself, I highly, highly recommend the floating markets. Definitely check that out. That's a cool experience. So those are the markets. Now, this is a new segment on the podcast episodes for the travel guides. This one is because of Bangkok, I mean, this is probably going to really be the only time I'm going to do this because Bangkok is known for the scams. So yes, this is the scam segment. And I'm just going to talk about the most popular scams that are going to happen. You will, I promise you, see these. Someone will try and do these to you. So you want to keep these in mind. This is take notes on these. There's three really big scams that are common. I think a good rule of thumb with Bangkok is if someone approaches you, like if a Thai person approaches you, especially if you're in a tourist area, I think it's a good idea to look upon the situation with caution. Think about it as like, why are they coming up to you? You know, ask yourself that. Even if you look lost, even if they're trying to help you, really still be cautious because a lot of these scams, right? It's like this friendly person you think, there's nothing wrong. They're asking you questions. They're smiling. They're happy. You know, there's nothing that seems wrong with it, right? And I don't necessarily think it's like, you know, it's so serious where they're trying to kidnap you or something like that, or they're these terrible people, but they are, you know, making a living and this is how they make their money. And do they think it's wrong necessarily to scam people? I don't know. I had a, it was just, it really blew my mind because I actually was scammed and it just was hard for me to accept that that person was like this evil person because I really do think if you're like lying to someone and generally like scamming them right I think like that's a really crappy thing to do but once again it's like this is really all they have as a means to make money so I don't know it, it was just weird because I thought they were nice as well and I just had a hard time thinking could they could they be faking it like were they really not nice and are, do they have like these you know evil intentions or something like that it was just it, it just really blew my mind so getting into the scams now the first scam, this one, you're only going to experience at the Grand Palace. It's the Grand Palace scam, okay? And this is the one that they got with me. If you want to hear the whole story about what happened in the experience, it's actually a really funny story. I have an episode. It's called Scammed in Bangkok. Go listen to that. You can hear about the story. It's quite the long tail, too, and it will prevent you from it happening to you. So check that out. But really quickly, I'll just kind of go over 
what the scam is is there'll be people waiting outside the grand palace right and it'll be like a it'll be a Thai man okay and they'll approach you and what they'll tell you you know they'll start talking to you they'll ask where you're from they'll be friendly they'll be you know happy smiley like this really innocent non-threatening person right and they'll speak pretty good english as well that's usually another sign that, you know, something's fishy. And they'll tell you, you know, like, oh, what are you going to do? And you'll say, oh, I'm going to see the Grand Palace. What they'll say is, this is what I saw online everywhere, is they'll say the palace is closed today, right? And it was actually different for me. I think, you know, they're getting smarter, so they're saying different things. What they told me, what this guy told me, he said that the palace is not open until later. There's a religious ceremony going on. It's not open until three in the afternoon, and so you'll get combinations of that, right? They'll either say it's closed for a religious ceremony or it's just closed entirely for the day. And so what he got me to do basically is he said, oh, it's closed for the day, but you can do this tour of all the different parts of the city, all these different temples, and then you can come back at three in the afternoon and then, you know, go to the palace. What you'll find is that the palace actually closes, I think, I think the palace closes like the last entry is at four in the afternoon and that's not enough time to see the palace. Like an hour is not enough time. So they're screwing you over for the day. Another thing that's difficult with scams and a reason why you're not necessarily going to feel threatened maybe and you might have not have your guard up is because because of the difference in currency with the Thai bot and like whatever currency you use. Let's just say you use the US dollar, right? You're talking about such minuscule amount of money that to be scammed for this small amount of money, you just don't really think like, oh, red flag. And so this guy, he brought out this map. He started showing me this tour I would take. I'd take a tuk-tuk around to all these places. And this, you know, tuk-tuk driver would take me to every single place. It was like 12 places. It was a ton of places. You basically do a circle around the city, okay? Once again, it was really, it wasn't really expensive. It was really cheap. And then I was just thinking, wow, this is great, right? Like the, the palace is closed right now. I can come back later. Like the guy said, and I can get all these things out of the way. I can kill two birds with one stone. I can see all these things. And it's going to be really convenient because I'm going to have the one driver and he's going to take me everywhere, right? So I was not thinking anything at that time about being scammed as it was happening, right? But as soon as I got on the tuk-tuk, this guy, it's funny, should have had a red flag about this one, but he waves over a tuk-tuk driver just, you know, easily, nonchalant, and he then tells me, okay, here's your guy, and here's your map, and he took me off, right? And another thing, too, is you don't pay until after the fact, okay? So you're not paying up front. So that's another reason why, oh, not a red flag. How the scam goes at this point, and this is where it gets really, really, I'm just like, I can't believe this is actually a thing. So we get to our first destination, right? And as we're driving there, I'm thinking to myself, I'm starting to think, oh, is this a scam, right? I'm starting to question it. I get there, okay? The tuk-tuk driver drops me off in front of this little checkpoint. And this guy comes and says, it's, let's just say 200 baht to come into this, this temple area, okay? And once again, small amount of money, not really thinking anything of it. So I pay the guy. He gives me like a certificate basically saying like I'm allowed in just, a, I guess, a ticket, right? And then he gives me a map of it, okay? And so I start walking around once again, starting to feel a little bit suspicious. I'm looking around at all these people there with me and I notice I'm the only one with this map and this ticket. No one else is holding anything, okay? And so I look it up and guess what? the place is free. You don't actually have to pay for it. And so I'm like, oh my God, so I am getting scammed, right? And so at that point, I'm thinking to myself, do I want to just bail and go do something else? I can just walk back to the palace. Is it 
pretty far away, yes, but it's not like I couldn't get back there and still do the palace that day, or do I want to continue to go with this guy? And really what I was trying to consider was if I leave this this man in his little tuk-tuk, I didn't actually pay him for the ride. I was going to have to pay him afterwards, right? for the whole experience but for this specific ride to this temple i didn't pay him and i was really paranoid what if he you know goes to the police or something would that have actually happened i don't know but i wasn't willing to take any risks so i ended up just going back to him and that's where the scam continued man this is where it gets even deeper so they had a guy posted up next to the tuk-tuk the tuk-tuk driver said be right back going to the bathroom and so i'm sitting in the tuk-tuk waiting to go to the next place and this guy starts talking to me dressed in a suit, just some random guy. And he starts talking about, oh, once again, where are you from? What are you doing? He's talking about his family. And he starts telling me about this suit shop where he got this suit and how it's really nice, right? And so basically what he's doing is he's he's there to butter you up because a lot of these scams, and this, this goes with the tuk-tuk scams as well. This isn't just with the Grand Palace, but the tuk-tuk drivers will take you to these shops and they'll make some excuse up for why they have to wait there. And then they'll, you know, encourage you to go inside. And so one of those is a suit shop. And so that guy was there to butter me up, which I just thought was the craziest thing. And so then guess what? Went to the suit shop after that. And at that point, I'm like, listen, dude, I know this is, I didn't tell him outright as a scam, but I'm like, I don't want to do this tour. Can we just go back to this one place and I'll pay you? I ended up going, I think, to the Golden Temple. I figured, you know, might as well salvage the day and go do something. So I'm like, Jen, you just take me to the Golden Temple and then I'll pay you. And he basically, you know, was very upfront with me and was like, I get paid commission if I go to two of these shops, if I take the people to two of these shops. So he basically was like, okay, let me, I'll take you to the Golden Temple if you go to this other shop really fast. And I was like, I'm not buying anything. I'm just going to go for you. I was basically being a bro. All right. And so we go to this next shop where it's more of like a souvenir shop. And I go in, I wait five minutes, I go out and then I'm like, Okay, now let's go to the Golden Temple. And what you're also going to have to be really good about in these these situations is you have to be very, very clear on pricing and where you want to go because they are going to try and play stupid. It's funny how the guy spoke really good English and understood me at the beginning of the tour. But then once I didn't want to do the tour anymore and I knew what was going on, it's like his English got really bad all of a sudden and he didn't understand what I was saying. And so I kept telling him Golden Temple, Golden Temple, right? And I'm pointing to it and he's like, no. So, and then he kept going, oh, all the tour and then Golden Temple. I'm like, no, I want to go to the Golden Temple and I'll give you this much money he finally said he would do it and so he took me to the golden temple and then i gave him the money i said i was going to give him and it wasn't a lot of money but he lit up and i think he thought that he wasn't going to get that much money so i probably could have bargained for paying him less but i just wanted to get out of the situation and so he took got his money he was happy and he left so did i get scammed out of a ton of money no when it was all said and done it was like five to eight dollars so is it the biggest deal ever? No. If anything, I really just lost out on the day. And that's something you got to think about is if you're vacationing, if you're not there like a month and a half, like I was, let's say you're there for five days. Well, that might have just been a wasted day because this, you know, idiot tried to scam you into doing something you didn't want to do. So that is, I'd say the most popular scam. That one, once again, you're only going to deal with that at the Grand Palace. Where I went wrong as well was that I didn't know where the entrance was to the Grand Palace. And so I was 
wandering around and that's how the guy you know found me it was actually on the corner to the grand palace i saw these people walking in and for whatever reason i figured that wasn't the grand palace so i wanted to like do a you know a kind of a 360 and look around go across the walls and see maybe if there was a different entrance and that ended up being the entrance so when you go to the grand palace you're going to see all these people walking towards this one area and so just follow them if any person tries to stop you just ignore them or say no thanks and move on your merry way do not let this happen to you it's not fun so that's the grand palace scam the next popular scam you're gonna see it's the tuk tuk scam the tuk tuk is something i think you should do once i think it's a good experience to have riding in a tuk tuk it's fun i got it out of the way with the grand palace scam right i i guess you know, looking at the positive side of it, I did get to ride in a tuk-tuk, so I did that, and I didn't do it ever again after that. What they'll do is they'll try and overcharge you for rides, and this is where it's iffy because because you're not from Bangkok, you don't really necessarily know how much things should cost, but I think two pieces of advice is one, kind of use common sense. If you're going a half mile, you shouldn't be paying 20 US dollars or like 15 US dollars for a ride, okay? It should be pretty cheap and you're always gonna wanna bargain with them to try and get it as low as you can. I also think if you look up online what average prices are for tuk-tuks or how much it would cost to go to one specific place, I think to be educated and have that at your disposal is important. What they'll do is that they'll park outside shops, like I mentioned with the Grand Palace scam. If you do take a tuk-tuk, this is another part of the scam. There's the overcharging you, but there's also they'll take you to outside a shop and they'll say, oh, I need to fill up on gas with my tuk-tuk. Go check out the gem shop, right? And then the gem shop, you'll go in and they'll try and sell you some gems and that's just gonna be a waste of your time. So you have to be very clear about where you're going and how much it's gonna cost. Do not allow them to do that to you. And then you won't have to deal with it. Tuk-tuks, if they're around tourist areas and you know they're trying to entice you, that's once again a red flag. You should really be seeking out the tuk-tuk. You shouldn't really let them seek out you unless you actually do wanna take one and then you can be very clear on where you're going and how much it's gonna cost. So those are things to keep in mind with tuk-tuks in general. The next scam that happens, this one's not as popular. I actually read about this one. I never, you know, had this happen to me, but the Pat Pong scam it's called. And Pat Pong, as I said, it's like a red light districty area of Bangkok. And what will happen with this scam is a guy will approach you with the menu. I'm doing quotations with my fingers. The menu. And it's a bunch of naughty acts that you can witness for yourself. He'll take you to a bar and you'll see all these, you know, women. I'd imagine it's probably like a strip club, all these women and the show, you get settled in and then one of the girls will come up to you and they'll start talking to you and they'll try and get you to buy them a drink. They'll try and get you to buy yourself a drink and it's just an overcharge that happens. So you'll come to find once you're leaving, maybe you don't pay for any show, but you'll come to find that your drinks cost an absorbent amount of money, maybe $80 for two drinks that should have cost, you know, 15 to 20 and you're stuck paying because if you don't pay, there's gonna be that, you know, that nice smiling bouncer that's gonna beat the crap out of you probably if you don't pay or you're gonna get trouble, so you're stuck. And then you just got scammed out of money that you shouldn't have paid. So that's a scam, not as popular, also one you won't deal with unless you're going to that area, I would imagine. There's a scam similar to that at Soy Cowboy. So if someone approaches you with a menu or is trying to get you to go somewhere, 
then be wary. If women basically are trying to get you to go somewhere, be very cautious. I talked about this in the travel guide to Krakow as well, how I met a guy who had got scammed the night before, the same exact scam where a girl got him to go to a bar with her and that, you know, he bought her a drink, bought him a drink and he got charged like 60 bucks and had to pay that. So it does happen everywhere. It's not just Bangkok, but that is a scam to watch out for. The last scam, really common, the taxi scam. And you're going to want to be very cautious with taxis sitting outside your hotel or once again in tourist areas. Normally, if you were to post up outside the hotel all day, what you'll see is these taxis aren't actually moving or trying to pick up people. They're not actually out working. They're just sitting there all day trying to catch an unsuspecting tourist and take them somewhere. So there's two aspects to this scam. One is pretty easy to notice. They'll just have their meter off and they're going to try and get you to, you know, go somewhere with them. And then they're just going to tell you, oh, this is how much it costs afterwards, right? You don't have the meter to rely on. So you always want to have the meter on. It's going to be a struggle to get them to turn the meter on. What they're going to do after, if you ask them to get the meter on, they're going to try and do a set amount of money to take you somewhere. They're going to say, oh, like 500 baht to go to this place. And they're going to try and overcharge you again. So once again, it's really important if you can understand how much things are going to cost, if you can have some type of common sense, if you're going a mile, it costs 20 bucks. That makes no sense, right? So you want to bargain, get it down as much as you can. And you really want them to turn the meter on. I don't recommend taking a taxi unless they have the meter on. The other thing that could possibly happen, and this is the one where it's a lot harder to notice. This one's a little bit Man, this is the things that happen, man, these scammers. There's a scam where they'll have the meter on, but the meter is rigged to overcharge you. So they'll have this button connected to it that they can press and it'll bump up the price of what's on the meter. And so they can keep bumping it up. So you're ending up paying more. And so if you're noticing the price, I think the best way to you know notice this, if you're Looking at the meter and you're noticing it's going up a lot faster or if it's a lot higher than it should be as you're going along, I would just get out of the taxi. It's going to be pretty easy, most likely to get out because with the amount of traffic, it's going to be stop and go most of the time. So you could just get out, be very wary, be very cautious when you get out because there's motorcycles everywhere and they will weave between cars. So before you get out and open that door, because the last thing you want is to get hit by a motorcycle, but also you don't want the guy's door to get hit by a motorcycle because then you're gonna get screwed into paying a ton of money and maybe the police get involved and you don't want that. So make sure there's no one coming, get out and just leave, don't pay the guy, or at least pay him a little bit if you, you know, you're worried. Don't pay him what it says on the meter, but give him some money and then just bounce and find another way to get to where you're going because you don't wanna deal with that that's one of the advantages, though, I would say to not using tuk-tuks frequently is that with the taxis, at least you can get them to do a meter, right? So you have an idea of how much you should actually be paying. With tuk-tuks, there's no meters or anything like that. So you're basically relying on them telling you how much it's going to cost and trusting them or, you know, figuring out for yourself how much it should cost. So those are the most popular scams. There's other scams. I'll reiterate that you really just want to look at everything. If someone approaches you, Ask yourself, what are they trying to do? What are their, what is their reasoning for approaching you? Be cautious. You know, I wouldn't necessarily say don't trust people or look at people with, you know, like a, uh, a pessimistic view, but you really want to be careful with the people approaching you. Getting into food now. 
the words to live by with food in Bangkok is better safe than sorry, in my opinion. Here's my experience with food. Here's what I feel. What I think about eating in Bangkok is completely different than everything you're going to read online. Everything you read online is going to talk about how you can eat the street food and you should really rely on the street food more and stay away from restaurants and how you just need to look out for locals and make sure they're preparing it fresh and all these different things, right? And then it's safe and you'll be, you know, you'll be merry and not have to worry, right? I have the complete opposite opinion of that. I think avoiding the street food is something you should do. And this is coming from someone, once again, I lived there for a month and a half. I saw things that you're not going to see if you're just visiting. And I'm not saying that all street food is bad. I think this is where I went wrong. And I really, honestly, I truly... I feel bad that I wasn't willing to eat the street food because I do feel like I missed out on something. I feel like the street food culture, right? You hear so much about this in Bangkok at the sh- how good the street food is. And I just wasn't willing to try it because I didn't want to get sick for all the factors I said earlier. Didn't have any type of travel insurance, had, you know, not that much money. So if I had to, you know, rush home and pay for that, I wouldn't be able to do that. And I just was worried. I just worry about things like that. So I didn't eat any street food. I got sick. I got food poisoning one time. I'll talk about that experience in a little bit. But yeah, I I think you should avoid the street food. Here is my pitch to you on why you should avoid street food. I think at least you should avoid street food in most of the general areas because you will see it everywhere. If you do your research and you find the really popular places in Bangkok where, you know, the street food's super popular where people go, then maybe you can try it. But here's why I stayed away from it. One, quality of the ingredients, it's not on par with maybe what you're used to, definitely not with what I'm used to. That's something I'm very, very weird about is the quality of ingredients. So I get grossed out really easily by like meat that isn't good quality and like really fatty or gross or there's things on it. And so that was a factor. Even eating some of the the restaurants where I would order in, I'd eat Thai food, right? And I just, I couldn't eat it. it there'd be like, for example, maybe fish that you would get with bones still in it or beef with little bones still in it. I don't know how that was even possible, but I, I remember getting beef and there's little bones in it. And then it, it just, it, it really, it, it kind of grossed me out. So that was a factor. Second factor, this is the one you won't see unless you're living there. The way they clean things in Bangkok at these street food stalls, right? And the environment that they're cleaning them in. So they're cleaning all the dishes that you're going to be using to eat, right? They're going to give you food on plates or in bowls. And then the food they cook, the the uh, dishes that they cook in, they clean it with dirty water. I saw that a handful of times I'm cleaning it either at night or during the day. I also saw environments where they were cleaning stuff with all these chickens in cages and feathers everywhere on the ground so you got to think just the air quality and around that area it was an enclosed space and i saw them cleaning things there and then also i just don't think they clean them that well and they're you know cleaning something and using that dirty water to clean it and seeing that it just once again grossed me out and i just didn't think it was worth the risk of getting you know possibly extremely ill Are you going to maybe get, you know, food poisoning where you get a little bad diarrhea? Yes, that's best case scenario. Worst case scenario, you get a bug that stays with you maybe for months or years to come. That's worst case scenario. 
And then my other thing I have a problem with is with all these people that you read about online saying eat the street food, it, you can trust it if you see the Thai people eating it, right? You want to go to the, the street food vendors where there's a bunch of Thai people because then you can trust it. I think that's a bad argument because you have to understand their gut microbiome, I'm going to get a little, I'm going to get a little nerdy on you, right? Like they're just the, the environment, the gut everything they grow up in right you're in this environment and so your body becomes accustomed to being in that environment so like drinking the water for example they probably wouldn't get sick from doing that whereas you would probably get sick from drinking the water eating the food that could be another one and so they have a lot better whether that's immune system or just like stomachs to be able to handle things and so potential bugs viruses bacterias probably aren't going to affect them in the same way that it would affect a person that's completely new to the environment and experiencing something for the first time. Are you going to get sick necessarily if you eat street food? I'm not saying that. It might be the greatest thing ever, right? Even if you eat at the Thai, I mean, clearly you don't want to eat at the vendors that the Thai people aren't at because that's saying something. But to say that you can necessarily trust a place or shouldn't be, you know, cautious still, even if there's a ton of Thai people eating there, I think that's not a great approach. Also, what you'll find with a lot of street vendors, they'll have food already prepared. Is it hostile? Yes, but they keep it in these plastic bags and it's just sitting in there super hot. And then people, what you'll see is you'll see Thai people buying it and then they'll go home with it and then eat it there. You'll see a lot of that. You'll see a lot of food that's been sitting out for a while. You're not necessarily always going to see them cooking it fresh unless it's like a restaurant type thing. There's two things that go on when it comes to, I'd say, street food. You have the actual vendor, or not the vendor, I don't know. You have like the street food cart. You'll have these people that have a bike attached to it. They'll drive around and they'll go to the little area where they, they make street food and you can eat it, right? And then there's restaurants, more so like restaurants, whereas there's like indoor seating, but all of the cooking is done in the front of the restaurant outside still. It's not like there's a kitchen in the back like your traditional restaurant. And so I still consider that street food. And that I think you have to be cautious with as well you'll also find where they'll just be the street food cart and then there's a bunch of seating that people put out and then they'll have like the silverware and the bowls and everything and they'll cook it and they'll bring you it's almost like a restaurant but outside where you know there's like umbrella set up and stuff like that but other than that you're like completely outside and there's just tables on the sidewalk it's weird it's definitely an experience i'll say so there's that now I got sick, I got food poisoning once, and it was from one of those restaurants where it was an indoor place, but they were cooking outside in the front, and yes, I got sick. Was it the worst thing ever? No. Was it a pain and inconvenient? Yes. Would it have ruined my trip if I was only there for five days? It wouldn't have ruined my trip, but it definitely would have made it not as fun because, you know, for five days, I was wondering if I was going to, you know, take a number two in my pants, Okay. And it wasn't fun. And those days I just spent in my Airbnb. I didn't go out because I wasn't, you know, why why risk it, especially if you're there for a long time. So yeah, that's something you're just not going to want to be dealing with. And if you're a foodie, right, if you're really excited about it, go for it. Once again, I, I truly wish that I was willing to do it, but I wasn't. And what I will say, general rules of thumb with food, with water, with Water, you want to drink bottled water at all times, okay? You always want to carry bottled water with you. There's 7-Elevens freaking everywhere. There's more 7-Elevens in Bangkok than there is anywhere else I've ever been. It's crazy, so it's really easy to get bottled water. You can get two-liter bottles, so you're going to have water for the entire day. 
You want to brush your teeth just to be safe with bottled water. So rinse your mouth with bottled water, rinse your toothbrush with bottled water, wet your toothbrush with bottled water. I remember a few times I forgot, okay, so two times, maybe three times where I rinsed my toothbrush with the water. And once again, this might be one of those things where you're, you know, being overly cautious. Maybe you're being a little paranoid, but I didn't want to get sick. Also, after already having been sick, didn't want to deal with it, right? And so that was something where, yeah, I kind of test the idea of, oh, I got my toothbrush wet with water, right? And it was fine. Did I ever rinse my mouth with water from the faucet? No. Shower water, you know how sometimes maybe you get that urge, you're in the shower, you get the shower in your mouth, you rinse your mouth out, you spit it out, right? You don't want to do that. Do not swallow the shower water. Remember that. Keep your mouth closed. And then do not drink water at the restaurants because you don't know if they're using filtered water or whatever. Next rule, you do not want to eat anything raw this is the best way to be safe. Do not eat any vegetables that are raw. Do not eat salad. Do not eat, I don't know, fruit. I'm a little bit, you know, maybe a little different. I have a different opinion on that, but I still maybe avoid fruit. And the reason why is because you don't know if they properly rinse the things. And so if there's still contaminated water on it, then you might get sick. From personal experience, I think you should really rely on restaurants. I think restaurants are the way to go. And I don't just mean like Thai restaurants, kind of how I described before. I mean, actual legitimate restaurants like you could find anywhere else in the world. I think stick to the places that have, you know, a lot of reviews and are highly rated and then just don't eat the raw stuff and don't drink the water. And I promise you, you're probably not going to get sick. You really can trust the restaurants. Here's another reason why it bothers me. People say don't eat the restaurants. Think of the consequences for a business versus an individual, okay? A business has an incentive for things to go right and, you know, serving good food that you can trust that's safe to eat and people aren't going to see it sick because if someone gets really sick from eating at a restaurant, they can write a review and everyone's going to see it and that could have drastic consequences. Rather, there's like some really bad thing that happens and it gets shut down or gets investigated or if people just stop going there and they lose business, right? So they have a really big incentive to do things the right way. There's probably, you know, things put into place so that they're doing things right. And I understand, you know, kitchen nightmares and, you know, restaurant nightmares and all that. And you can see the shows on how bad some restaurants are run. But that's why I say stick to the ones that are high rated that get really good reviews and a lot of people go to and you'll be good. And then for an individual who's just has their little food cart, maybe, you know, they're out there all day, it's hot, they're working all day, maybe they're not following, you know, the best protocols, maybe if they have water out, you know, they have like a, a cooler of water, which you'll find at a lot of these places, maybe it's not actually good, like filtered water or bottled water, maybe it's just from the faucet, or maybe the way they wash the dishes and what they're using, like, like I just how I mentioned how they're washing things in dirty water, and they're washing them in environments that aren't clean, and it's kind of gross, they're doing things like that too, right? And so I don't really, I just think, how can you not trust a restaurant? And that's really what we're used to, I think, in the Western world is eating at restaurants as well. So I think that's the safe bet. That's all I'm going to say. I've said my piece about food and now getting into some places that I would recommend. Okay. And so the first place, I'm not recommending this place. This is the most famous restaurant probably in Bangkok. It's all Pad Thai. It's right near the Grand Palace. So you can go there if you want, but I 
don't recommend it. And the reason why is because this is the place that I got food poisoning from. Was it my fault? Maybe. And I'll tell you why in a second, but I can't recommend it because of the fact that I got food poisoning. However, it is, like I said, very popular. It's super popular with tourists, mostly Asian tourists, not necessarily Westerners. And it is really good pad thai. I will admit it. It was really good, but I did get food poisoning. As a reminder, it's one of those places you're going to be eating inside, but they're cooking out front and there's a huge line always. It opens at 5 p.m. So you're going to want to get there, I'd say 45 minutes early and you'll be at the front of the line so that when it does finally open up, you will be able to get in right away and eat. It is pretty fast to eat and they kind of want you moving right because there's so many people. The staff is very respectful and nice. They do these little ceremonies as the restaurant is opening, which I thought was unique. I've never seen that before. You could watch them do that if you're there early. And yes, they're super respectful and nice. And it's a very simple menu. It's like I said, it's all pad thai. That's all you can get. They have normal pad thai. They have spicy pad thai with, I think, chili oil used. And then they have a special, which is a giant krill with pad thai and it's wrapped in like an egg skin. So they cook an egg around the pad thai and it's wrapped almost like a a, li- a little present, we'll say, okay? And so you cut into the egg and then you have your pad thai in there and they you can get it with the chili oil, without the chili oil. And then they give you this giant krill and it's like the entire krill, but it's cooked. So you got the eyes, the head, everything, and the freaking the little whiskers and crap on the front of the face. I got normal pad thai and I got that special. The special is expensive. Everything else is super cheap. It's actually crazy how cheap it is. You can go, you can get pad thai for days there, man. You could order so much and it would be really cheap. And then they have, you know, your peanuts on the side that are really sweet. They're good. And then your oils and your vinegars if you want to add your, I think, red pepper flakes if you want a little bit more spice with the pad thai. Here's why I went wrong. Here's why I think I got sick. They give you a side of raw bean sprouts and a side of raw green onions. I think I got sick from that. I ate probably four little bean sprouts that were raw, okay? Only four, and from that, I got sick. That should tell you something. So it was either that, it was eating the peanuts, adding that to it, or it was eating the krill. The krill kind of grossed me out. I didn't like that. I wish I didn't get that. I personally would just stick to normal pad thai with no krill, no nothing. I just want the pad thai, baby. Just give me the pad thai next time if I go. Not going ever again, but if you go get the pad thai by itself. And so it was one of those three things. If I was a betting man, it would have been the bean sprouts. So is it my own fault? Yeah, basically because I ate the raw stuff and that should reiterate to you, that should reinforce, do not eat raw vegetables, do not eat anything raw. And so ate it, thought it was the best thing ever, was super happy, right? Didn't think I was getting sick. 30 minutes after eating that, waiting for the bus, all of a sudden, explosive diarrhea feeling. Holy hell, what am I supposed to do? I'm an hour and a half away from my Airbnb. I'm waiting for this bus. It's been over an hour after I felt that explosive diarrhea feeling. I waited an hour for the bus. It finally came. All the bumps going home on the street, right? These roads aren't the best. All the bumps going up and down in the bus two hours to get home, made it without any accidents. Thank the Lord. I also talked about that in one of the episodes I talked about early at my time in Bangkok. So you can check that out as well if you want the whole story with that. But yes, 
It's called, I didn't even mention the name of the place either. That's, that's hilarious. You're probably thinking, this is great, Connor. You're telling us about this place, but you never actually said the name. So it's called Tip Samai Pad Thai. T-H-I-P-S-A-M-A-I. Like I said, it, this place is so, so famous and it's right near the Grand Palace. So you might want to go there. If you go to the Grand Palace, just bear in mind, I got food poisoning from it. Not saying you shouldn't go, but not necessarily recommending it, okay? So there's that. Just warning you, basically, if you do end up finding it, right? It is popular. So next place, this was my favorite restaurant in all of Bangkok. It's out of the way. So do I think you're necessarily going to go there? No, but if you happen to be in the area, just maybe check it out. This is a popular place for expats. A lot of Australians that go here. The owner is Australian. The staff is amazing. They're super nice. The menu is huge. A lot of variety. One of the best burgers I've had in a very long time. Maybe the best burger I had in all of my travels. I had a black truffle cheese and mushroom burger and those fries to die for. Crunchy on the outside, but soft in the inside. They were more like crescent potato wedges. And I'm telling you, man, I like I can picture the taste of that meal still and it was amazing i only went here twice it was near the first airbnb that i stayed at super out of the way but i love this place i had what did i have i had that burger one time i had meat pies there which were really good i had a bunch of dessert i don't remember what i got the, the other time i went there but yeah there's there's so much food you can get they have mexican food they have barbecue platters they have pizza there's pasta there's meat pies like i said there's burgers there is thai food i don't recommend getting thai food though if you go here you want to stick to a barbecue platter they're huge or you want to get a burger if they have that burger still that black truffle cheese and mushroom burger not super expensive either for you know it being black truffle you'd think it's really expensive but it wasn't very delicious devilish chews and brews love the name as well that's a really good name also a cool little thing they have their own line of barbecue sauces i think there were six or seven i tried every single one of them they were all amazing i loved them and yeah just a cool place one of those places where you know you're not necessarily looking for it there really was no restaurants near that first airbnb i stayed at except for this place and so i was super pumped about it this next place is a thai restaurant it is near the grand palace as well so you have a decision to make if you're looking for a meal after the Grand Palace. You can either go to Tip Samai and get that authentic kind of street food vibe experience with this famous pad thai, or you could go the safe bet and go to an actual restaurant with a lot of reviews and that is in a nice area and it's clean, good food, up to you. It's called Savoy. S-A-V-O-E-Y. The area is really nice. It's in a shopping area. There's other restaurants as well. And there's also a really nice Starbucks close by. So it's a good place. You can just chill after going to the Grand Palace. Maybe you need a little break. There's a Starbucks. It's looking, it's overlooking the water. Super cool. The crab fried rice was really good. That's what I had. And then I had, I think, I think it's 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 like a form. I don't know what it's called. Is it Pad C U? I think Pad C U is what I had. I had crab fried rice and pad siu and they were both good was it the best thing ever that i've ever had for thai food no but it was good it's a safe bet you're not gonna get sick once again avoid the raw stuff though okay next place i'd recommend this is out of the way this is a place and now i'm just remembering there's a there is a one little thing that i forgot to write down that i wanted to talk about and i just remembered it's the visa situation so waft me is what this place is called and if you happen to be wanting to live in Bangkok okay you're gonna need to renew your visa at some point because I think you can only be yes that's what I thought so you can only be 
in Bangkok, in Thailand in general, I should just say, you can only be in Thailand for 30 days before you need a visa. This is for US citizens, okay? So if you're staying in Thailand for an extended period of time, let's say maybe you've already been to Phuket, maybe you've already been to Chiang Mai, and now you're in Bangkok and you're going to need to extend your visa, you have the option then to go to this place. Otherwise, you're not going to want to go here. It's out of the way. It's called Waft Me. It's on my Instagram. Kanji Hancock is my Instagram. I always, I've realized these past few episodes, every time I say check out my Instagram, I never say it till the end. So how are you supposed to check it out? But you can find pictures of this place on my Instagram. Look out for the Thai tea ice cream. It's orange. That's how you'll know you're in the right area. The dessert was to die for ice cream and waffles. I fell in love with this in Seoul and I was able to find this in Bangkok at this place. It was delicious. Great Instagram worthy photo. They have a really great dessert. It's a cafe as well. They have coffee, teas, and then they also have food. It's a great place for brunch. Let's say maybe in the morning you go and get your visa extended and then you're looking for like a late brunch, early lunch. Waft Me is a great place to go. It's right near there. So that is an option. And then with the visa situation, it's in this kind of mall area and there's tons of food there. And so that is something you could do. There's like little vendor set up where you can get food, but I would say go to Waft Me instead. So that is Waft Me. Daniel Tiger or Tager. Daniel Tager? We'll say Daniel Tager. That's T-H-A-I-G-E-R. This is a burger place right on Sukhumvit Road. So if you're in that area, you can check this place out. It's a delicious burger. Loved it. The fries, I would say, are mediocre though. Do not get the fries. Just stick to a burger. There's a 10% service charge, which kind of sucked. But yeah, if you're looking for a good burger, that is a great one. B-Story Cafe, once again, near Sukhumvit Street. And there's free Wi-Fi. I had mac and cheese there, which I thought was a little bit random. It was delicious. I also had Thai basil chicken, which was good. They have really good dessert. It's a cafe, right? So they have coffee and teas. You can just go there if you want a coffee, lattes, cappuccinos, frappuccinos, whatever is your drink of choice. They have it there. What's cool about this place too is Go on my Instagram again, you'll see a photo of this really unique and colorful street art that I found. It was a little park where they were playing this game, kind of like volleyball, the, the you know, Thai locals where they use their feet instead to kick it over. It's a really fun game to actually watch. It's crazy what they're able to do with their bodies. They kind of, you know, do twists and turns in the air to kick it over and then they land still on their feet. And so you could watch that and then there's just street art everywhere. It's a really, I think, unique place to go if you want a you know, photo from Bangkok that not many people are gonna have. And so that's right by this cafe. If you happen to go to the cafe, you just walk down the street and you will find it. You'll just run into it. That's how I was able to find it. I went to this B-Story cafe and then I was walking back to take the, uh, the train. And yeah, just to my left, I saw this place and I was like, holy crap, this is such a cool place. And I spent, you know, 30 minutes there taking photos and just checking it out. This last place I would recommend, I think you should definitely check this place out. It's called Roast. It's a cafe in the M. Courtier Mall. It's a great menu. They have really good dessert. I just went there for dessert because I ended up finding it. And they had this waffle with strawberries and whipped cream in the center. And it just looked to die for. So I had that. This is another place really good for brunch or lunch. It's a very awesome interior. It's very it's fancy without being fancy in the sense of like you feel like you don't belong or like it's for the the rich or you have to be dressed, right? You can just dress however you want, but it's a really sweet interior. So 
that is somewhere I think you should definitely check out. They also have like, you know, a little bar area right when you walk in. And then for food in general, I would say M Courtier is a place where you could literally eat every single day and you would have all the options in the world. You wouldn't get sick of it. As I said at the beginning of the episode, there's this, you know, building basically like as you go up each floor, it's just restaurant after restaurant. So there's so many places to go and check out. There's so many good restaurants. You can find every cuisine under the sun. I went to a steakhouse, I think there. And then also I went to a really good Mexican restaurant called La Monita Cantina. So yeah, you can find anything there if you aren't willing to, you know, risk it with the street food or the Thai food. Maybe your stomach doesn't agree with it. I have to say Thai food is not like Thai food in the U.S. One thing I had a green curry one day and I thought I was going to die. Honestly, I I thought a hole was going to be burned into my stomach because it was so hot. It was the hottest thing I've ever had in my life. I truly thought I was going to have to go to the hospital, but ended up being all right. And yeah, so things are so spicy. So if you're not into spicy food, but you're going to Bangkok, the M Courtier is a great place to just eat every single day. And they also have, you know, your more upscale restaurants, but they also have food courts as well, which are really nice. There's at the bottom level of one of the malls, there's a food court and they have, you know, they have Krispy Kreme, they have a Jamba Juice, you can get acai bowls, they have burger places, they're Japanese, there's a Starbucks down there. So it's a lot cheaper food, you know, if you're looking to save money or you just want something quick or somewhere to chill, there's a food court. So yeah, there's so many options for food in the M Courtier mall. So if you're in that area and you just want to eat there every day, that's definitely an option. I highly recommend you explore that area and check it out. Next is the transportation. And as I said, getting around the city is a nightmare. It's the worst traffic in the world, in my opinion. I haven't been everywhere, but I just can't imagine anywhere being worse. I thought Los Angeles, you know, being a native from Los Angeles, I thought that traffic was bad, but I promise you the traffic in Bangkok is so much worse. It's actually disgusting at how bad it is. And so here are your options for transportation. There's motorbike taxis, which is a fun little thing if you're willing to do it. That's also really unique, I think, to Bangkok. So yeah, you'll have someone on a motorcycle, basically, and you'll sit off the edge of the behind it, and they'll take you around. You'll see a bunch of, you know, old Thai ladies doing this. It's kind of funny, a funny sight to see. There's river taxis, which is probably the most convenient way to travel, but also more expensive. There is tuk-tuks which you can do there's taxis there's buses there's grab which is the uber of bangkok and then as far as the train situation there's something called the bts skytrain and then there's the mrt subway the bts skytrain is new it's actually really clean and it's efficient the problem is that it doesn't get you all over bangkok it really only goes through the center of the city there's two lines you can take and as it's the name says skytrain so it's above the streets it's basically just the streets of bangkok right it's almost think of like a freeway on ramp and then how you can go up in the air it's like that and it's this train that just goes kind of across the center of bangkok the problem with the skytrain yes you can get around the center of bangkok but as far as let's say going to the grand palace for example that's so far out of the way that you're not going to be able to take the skytrain you're going to have to take a taxi or a tuk-tuk something like that maybe it can get you closer to it but it's not going to actually get you to the destination so there's not a ton of coverage with it but it is really nice it's really easy and efficient to use it'll be really fast for you to get to places if you can use it so always make sure 
to see if you know you have the option of taking the SkyTrain because I highly recommend that. You can buy individual tickets, which is what I always did. There's you know ticket stations or you can buy from a ticket vendor. Let's say if you need to know where you're going. As far as the price goes, it's super cheap. You'll just look for the stop you want and then it'll tell you how much it costs and then you put that much in and then it gives you a coin to that specific stop and then you just put the coin in to get through the gates and then you go to your stop and you're done super easy super efficient if you want to buy a card to use so you could preload money and do it that way it's called a rabbit card so you can purchase that it's a dollar fifty deposit to get one and then when you're done with it and then all the money's been used you can cancel the card and they'll give you the deposit back do you necessarily you know need that dollar fifty it's so cheap that doesn't matter no but if you do want to get your deposit back you can so that i think is really the transportation you're going to want to mainly use if available to you because it will be the quickest and it is a pleasant experience the next form of transportation the mrt subway you know it's underground it's any typical subway you do have more access to different areas of bangkok with the subway than you would with the skytrain and you can also you know pay individually that's what i did or you can get a subway pass. There's different passes you can buy so that you would just buy at the vendor. And the subway I'd say is a lot more crowded and just more of a pain in the butt, which makes sense. SkyTrain, there's a lot of people, but it's not where it's like overly crowded and you feel like you have no space. I only used the SkyTrain and the subway a handful of times because I either was in an area where it didn't exist or because of where I was going, I didn't really need it. Will you be using it at a ton? Maybe not. Honestly, you probably will probably, you'll probably rely mostly on taxes to be honest, or if you want to use Grab. I liked Grab because it would tell you the price of how much it you know costs to go to a place. So I always knew what I was getting into. Your next option is buses and the buses are really run down. I actually rode the buses a lot. I rode the buses more so than the subway and the SkyTrain and the buses. That was an experience because I've never been on a bus that was just so old. These buses, like for the floors, they they had wooden planks. It wasn't even, I don't even know what material they use nowadays, but it was wooden planks for the bus. The seats were ripped up. It was dirty and you know, you really jerky when you're driving around. I think at one point, I think this might have just been my mind playing tricks on me, but at one point I swear I saw some type of rodent scurrying around. It was late at night and I couldn't really see, but I swear to God I saw a rodent and that just, I I had luckily was sitting in a row where they had that thing that that little box that sticks up out of the ground so i put my feet up there and yeah it was kind of it's kind of sketchy to say the least but yeah there's different buses and based on the color that will tell you how nice the bus is and that will also determine the price right so i always took the red buses which were the you know the most rundown ones the ones with the wooden planks those are the cheapest that will be the cheapest way you can possibly travel is by bus and using that red bus as the colors change, the buses get nicer. I think orange colored buses are the ones that are the nicest or some of the nicer ones. And so what you're going to want to do, okay, first you're going to want to be very careful with the buses you take because you'll notice that depending on the number of bus you need, that number might be across different colored buses, right? So let's say you need bus number 85, you might see a yellow bus that says 85 and a red bus that says 85, and those aren't going to the same place. So you have to be really careful about which color you actually need. And so if you use Google Maps, it will tell you the color and everything like that. So it's really easy. Next, how do you get to your destination? Because you're gonna be dealing with people that don't speak English, unfortunately. I had one experience where it was a really difficult time 
finding out where I needed to go, like trying to convey that to the person. They didn't really understand it. And I had multiple people trying to help me out, which was really nice because the show how nice Thai people are. And those people, you know, were actually helping you because you needed it, not trying to get something out of you. But what happens on these buses, it's really old fashioned. They have a coin collector, money collector, whatever you want to call it. They'll come up to you when you get on the bus. And then what I would do is I would show them either the Thai name, if I could find it, of where I was going, or I would show them a picture of where I was going. And then they would tell me the price. And then you just pay in coins. And then you go to your destination. They'll give you like a little receipt just in case you need to verify if you can be on the bus or not. And then, you know, you go on your merry way. You want to have coins. You're not going to want to use cash because they're not going to be able to break really big bills so keep that in mind if you're using the bus what also i would do is once i knew kind of like the idea of how much it costs for a bus ride because i didn't really understand what determined the different prices but what i would do is i would hold out what the price was let's say in general so maybe it was like 55 baht or something like that and so i would hold that out and then i hold out extra coins and then i would show them where i was going to go and then they would just take how much it cost and i never got scammed or anything like that and it was you know once again it was really really cheap so that's the best way to travel if you're trying to save money but it also takes the longest because you are trying to deal with that traffic and it just i'm telling you being in a bus with the traffic it's a pain the bus times for me were hard to figure out as well what at one point i had an experience where i missed the last bus going to where i needed to go and i didn't know it at the time so i was waiting there for an hour in the rain and finally come to realize oh this bus probably isn't coming and it was one of those nights where you know i went to m quartier so that area is a nightmare friday night terrible traffic and when it was all said and done, that whole process took me five hours to get home. I figured taking a taxi or something like that wasn't really going to save me any time because the traffic was just so bad. I just said, screw it. And I walked home. So it took me three and a half hours to walk back to my Airbnb. That was a fun little night. I talked about that too in one of the episodes. So yes, really bad traffic. And I mean, it's just something you're going to have to deal with. Really, there's no transportation in Bangkok that's going to be fast other than the SkyTrain. And then this next one is fast too. But it's another one. It doesn't necessarily get you all over Bangkok. It's called the, I'm going to butcher this, the Khao Praia River Express Boat. It's C-H-A-O and then P-H-R-A-Y-A. This is super convenient. It's on the river. You just go to your destinations. And this is another one you're going to have to worry about like the specific times it's an opportunity operation so you want to know all that and it is more expensive but that is a good way to travel i used the buses i used grab and then i used skytrain and the subway that's all i did i didn't use the motorcycle taxi another thing pretty dangerous not worth getting injured if i fall crack my head open i'm screwed don't have a lot of money don't have any travel insurance so that is a no-go basically and something to consider really fast too is you got to think when you're in a country you might have to get airvacked out of the country depending on whatever happens to you right and in bangkok the hospitals are actually pretty nice a lot of them so would it be the worst place to have something happen to you no but if you're somewhere else let's say vietnam or something you have to think about being really safe this is just a general tip for travel you have to be really very very good about weighing risk versus reward because if you do something let's say 
let's say you're in Vietnam, for example, right? And you ride a motorcycle by yourself, or if you're maybe taking a motorcycle taxi, if they had them there as well. If something happens to you, that's not the best place to be for like, you know, finding a hospital or getting medical care. And so what might end up happening is, you know, God forbid you have to get air vacked out. Well, that's really expensive. And so if you do have travel insurance, it actually covers something like that. It's like, it could be up to like $250,000 for that to to, uh, happen. So that's covered. And so if you don't have travel insurance though, you then have to make sure you're not putting yourself in situations to where that might happen. And once again, this is one of those things. Is something going to happen so drastic to where you're going to need to take an air vac out? Probably not. But it's just something where it's going to be based on you know your own personal experiences and what you're comfortable with, whether or not you're willing to take risks. Some people would be more willing to take risks. I'm pretty, like I've said, risk adverse. So yes, I'm sure, you know, the motorcycle taxi would be a lot of fun in Bangkok and it would be easy to like weave between cars and actually get around. That'd probably be the fastest way, honestly, to get around is with those. But I don't think it's worth the potential injury and falling off, especially when someone's driving and you're like hanging off the side. So just keep those things in mind. I think why I recommended Sukhumvet in the beginning is you want to stay in a place that's right next to the SkyTrain because that'll be the fastest way to get around. And so if you're staying in Sukhumvet, that literally covers, like the SkyTrain covers that entire area. So it's really easy to get around there. So definitely stay in Sukhumvet if you can. That's where all the like really nice hotels are. Honestly, I'd say a lot of tourists probably stay there. You Now onto the tips. And I have so many tips for you guys. This is actually crazy. So I'm gonna do this one before I forget really quickly. I'm just gonna mention it again because I didn't write this down. If you want to renew your visa, if you want to stay longer than 30 days in Thailand, what you're going to do is first off, you want to look it up. But basically how the process goes is you'll go to this place, right? I think it's a government building. It's kind of out of the way from the center of Bangkok and you'll go there. There's always tons of people renewing their visas and you're going to have to wait a long time. I think I waited an hour and a half, which isn't too bad, but It is really crowded, so you want to try and get there as early as possible so you don't have to wait. And so you'll basically fill out this form, and then they'll take you to a room after you fill out the form, and there'll be all these different immigration officers everywhere, and you'll sit in a section, and you'll have a number, and they'll basically get to your number, okay, and... Then you'll go talk to them. You'll give them your form you filled out. They'll ask you some questions. They're going to ask you why you want to stay longer. And just rule of thumb in general for any type of immigration thing. You never want to say anything super specific. You never want to say, oh, I'm here for a girlfriend. I want to stay longer. You never want to say I'm here, you know, for getting married. You never want to say I'm here for a job. I'm here to look for work. You never want to say anything. You want to be as general as possible. You just want to be like, I'm here to experience the culture. I want more time to experience the culture. I want to go to other places. You just want to keep it to that. I'm here as a tourist. I'm here for fun. I'm here to learn about your country. You want to stick to things like that. Those are your reasons. They'll ask you as well for where you're staying. And I was really very paranoid about this because I was staying in an apartment and apartments are illegal for Airbnb. So I was staying in Airbnb as an in, in an apartment, right? And so I was really worried because I had to put my address and I was really scared the person was gonna ask me about where I was staying because you do have to write it down. And I was thinking they're gonna put two and two together. They're gonna know I'm obviously a tourist, I'm on a visa. So I'm not actually living here and I'm staying in an apartment complex. So 
how is he doing that when it's illegal and you're not supposed to be doing that even though people do that? So I was really worried I was going to have issues with that. Luckily, I didn't. I literally, like my stomach was in knots the whole time I was talking to the person. So just keep that in mind for where you're staying. If you are doing Airbnb, that might be a worry if you're trying to extend your visa. So they'll basically talk to you, right? And then you'll pay money to extend your visa. It's not super expensive, but it isn't like super cheap either. And then they'll, you know, stamp your passport and then you'll be on your your way and you'll be done with that. So it's not a difficult process. You definitely shouldn't have any issues. I think it just depends where you're from, honestly. And then really the only thing that sucks is just waiting for a long time to talk to an immigration officer. But you shouldn't have any problems as long as you stick to the story of, oh, I'm here as a tourist. Do not say anything about anything else. Even if you are looking to live in Thailand permanently, you don't want to say that if you're just trying to extend it, your visa for some more time. The next tip I have for you guys, if you are young, we'll say around that college age and have friends to go to Bangkok with, I think you should go. I think Bangkok is a place where there's potential to have the best time of your life and the stories you can get from your experiences will be so worth it. There's so many shenanigans. I'm not even talking about like soy cowboy and all that things, but there's just so much weird stuff that happens. And then like with Muay Thai too, if you wanna go to Muay Thai fights, the nightlife, the food, it's cheap. Like you could have such a blast. So I think it would be a great thing to do if you you know, you know have a group of college friends and you can do that maybe during the summer. Highly recommend something like that. As far as how long you should stay in Bangkok, I think five full days is perfect if you're just going to Bangkok, let's say as a vacation, that's more than enough time. If you are going to other parts of Thailand and you are strapped for time, I think three full days is perfect as well. That is plenty of time to where you're going to see everything you're going to want to see. And you can go on, you know, to Chiang Mai or Phuket, wherever else you're going. This next tip, I think you absolutely need to do, maybe not necessarily do what I did, but you need to research this, okay? So you want to bring things with you in case of food poisoning or some type of stomach bug. Here's what I brought. This is what I would recommend. I am by no means a doctor. I'm not necessarily saying these things are scientifically proven. There is research on them and they have been, you know, you always hear, oh, they've been used for thousands of years to treat this and this, right? And you always hear that. There's a ton of testimonials you'll read online, like anecdotal evidence of these things working to help with not only food poisoning, but just your health in general. It's really good for your health in general. And so here's what I would recommend. These are actually proven to be useful. So you want to bring activated charcoal pills for anywhere you're going to go where you have to worry about food poisoning or like the water. You want to bring these. I would recommend Ski Zandu Organics activated charcoal pills. You can get them on Amazon. They're 16 bucks. They come with, I think, 210 pills. So they're going to last a very long time. And what you're going to want to do with these, and this is what I did when I knew I was having food poisoning. Activated charcoal, what it does is it absorbs toxins by binding to them. And then you can't digest charcoal. And so it just gets released from your body, right? You might end up having black stools you know that could be a factor don't be like scared if that happens once you know you're going to get sick you want to start taking them whatever it says is the you know daily dosage and the recommendation i would do that if you want to be even more safe what you can do is take them i think before every meal that becomes a little bit iffy i would just have them for if you do get sick otherwise i wouldn't take them the next thing that I had with me was oil of oregano, and this is an antimicrobial 
it is something that kills pathogenic bacteria. So you can get this in pill form or essential oil form. I had it in essential oil form. If you have it as an essential oil, you're going to have to either dilute it in water, okay, because you cannot take it just straight up. It's undiluted and it's very like, it's actually bad for you. Like you can do serious harm to yourself. So do not swallow this stuff unless you dilute it. Do not just put it on your skin. Do not get it in your eyes, do not get it in your nose, do not get it in your mouth. It's bad, okay? Or you can take it with an oil. So what it recommends usually is it'll say like, oh, take 30 drops of olive oil and then put your dosage of oil of oregano and take that together on a spoon, right? And that's kind of like super inconvenient, especially if you're traveling, you're probably not gonna be able to do that. So I would dilute it in water. I personally believe this helped me. Once again, I don't know, there's not so much science or studies behind it where you can say for 100% fact that it can be used for this these uses it's one of those things where it says it may or may not help you or may or may not do these certain things it may or may not have these benefits but i think it's something something you want to have it's also just good for your overall health these were things i took as well not just for you know food poisoning but there were also things that i just took when i was starting to feeling sick when i knew my immune system was kind of shot i would take these things and these are good for your immune system as well the brand I would recommend is Zane Hell. I don't know if it's Hellas or Hellas. Zane Hellas, H-E-L-L-A-S, oil of oregano. This is from Amazon. Once again, it's $21. If you're not going to get the one that I have, I would recommend you get this one. But if you're not, what you want to look for in brands of oil of oregano, because it's not all created equal. You want one that's at least 86% carvacrol. That's C-A-R-V-A-C-R-O-L. So that's going to mean it's a high quality one. And you also want one that says that it gets its oregano from Greece, more specifically, probably the Mediterranean. That's where you want it sourced from, okay? So if you're looking for a different brand, you want to look for those two things. I took the oil of oregano. What I would do is I take it in water with other two things I'm about to mention. I, you know, shake it all up and that would be my little my little concoction, my little tonic, my little cocktail to stay healthy and to deal with the food poisoning. The next thing I had with me was grapefruit seed extract. And this is something you have to, I'd say, I'd say with all of these things, you probably want to consult a doctor maybe before you take them because you don't know if you can take them. If you're on medicine, right? If you're on some type of prescription or you're on type of medicine at the time, I definitely think you need to consult a health professional with taking these things. I am not on anything, fortunately. So I kind of just did my research and, you know, started taking them. I know with this grapefruit seed extract, my mom, for example, is not allowed to take it for whatever reason. So bear that in mind. Grapefruit seed extract has a wide variety of uses. So they use it to kill bacteria, whether that's salmonella, E. coli, staph, strep, viruses, herpes, parasites, fungi, once again, any type of, you know, stomach bacteria or virus. So it's something that's really helpful. The brand that I would recommend, Nutribiotic Grapefruit Seed Extract, again, on Amazon, $12, super cheap, lasts forever. That's the nice thing about all these things. Maybe it's a little pricier, you might think, but these are all going to last you such a long time that it's worth the investment. You can even use these when you're not traveling, like I said, just for your general health if you want to take them. And I actually do have a little bit of an anecdotal story with grapefruit seed extract that I'll tell after I'm done. The last thing that I had was nascent iodine. That's N-A-S-C-E-N-T. And so iodine is one of those things in your body. It's a, I don't know if, whether it's a mineral or nutrient, but it's something your body needs. And there is like such thing as an iodine deficiency. And so people usually take nascent iodine when they have an iodine deficiency. But what 
iodine's used for is it is an antiseptic, so you can actually use it to heal wounds. You can put it on wounds. It's good for energy. It's good for your overall immune system health. It and then it may. This is one of those things, right? It may or may not help with bad bacteria. But I bought this. This was the most expensive of all the things I bought. It was twenty-eight dollars on Amazon. The brand is Go Nutrients, so I would recommend that one. Why I really, you know, bought all this stuff was that one of the guys I follow. He's kind of a health and wellness and fitness guy's name is Ben Greenfield. I really respect him. He's he's one of those evil genius type tries everything on himself. He's a human guinea pig. He really goes like above and beyond. And so when I was researching things to have with me, because I knew I was going to Asia, I found an article where he mentioned all these things. And he basically just talked about things that he brings with him anytime he's traveling, especially if he has to worry about food. And so activated charcoal, oil of oregano, and then iodine and the grapefruit seed were all mentioned. And so those were the things that I kind of just handpicked that weren't super expensive that I knew would probably help. And so whether I was getting sick or I had the food poisoning in Bangkok. What I would do then is every single day, I would mix up the recommended dosage of the oil of oregano, the grapefruit seed extract, and the nascent iodine. And then I would put it in a like one liter bottle of water and I would just drink that. And the grapefruit seed extract was nice because it kind of functioned like olive oil would where it took the kick off the oil of oregano. I honestly still don't know if I should have been drinking oil of oregano like that diluted in the water. Maybe I should have been taking it with some type of oil, but I didn't. And it definitely did burn my throat a little bit, but it wasn't terrible. What I would really say is just to take away is really do your research with these things if you want to take them. They did help. The anecdotal story now I'll tell you, and I think this goes to the grapefruit seed extract because it is supposed to kill staph. So I had styes at two different points in my travels. What a sty basically is, think of like a pimple, like a whitehead, but it's on your eyelid and it's super painful. It can make your eye swollen. I have these pictures of my eye. It's it's completely shut almost and it's purple and red and I just look so bad. It's really embarrassing. I don't think those pictures will ever see the light of day, even though I do have them. But yes, it's just something that's super painful. It makes it hard to see and you're really not gonna wanna deal with it. Is it the end of the world? No, but it's so inconvenient and it sucks. And so I got one in Poland and I had it for three weeks before it went away. Really what they say is that there's no cure or like nothing you can do for a sty. That's what really sucks about it. There's nothing you can, I think, necessarily take as far as a prescription goes. And what they really say to do is, one, you're not supposed to pop it because it does have pus in it and you could pop it, but you're not supposed to. That's really bad because if it gets all over your eye, you can just get more of them. And I think I did have at one point like three of them, but one was just really bad and the other two were kind of smaller. But what you're supposed to do is take a, is a hot washcloth and put it on your eye and it's supposed to reduce the swelling and maybe even pop the sty, which is fine if it pops that way. But as you can imagine, when you're traveling, that's not the easiest thing to do is constantly be putting this hot compress on your eye, especially if you're worried about cleanliness, because where are you going to get something that's clean enough to do that, right? And so that was a huge pain in the butt, and it was just something I had to deal with. And then I had it as well in Paris. I had it in Poland and then in Paris for half the trip, and it just really just sucked. It made it it didn't ruin anything, but it just made, you know, the time a little less enjoyable, especially in Paris. So that's that. And then I got another sty. I started to get one in Bangkok, and this was right after I got food poisoning. And so I'm putting two and two together. This is what I think happened. I think the food poisoning that I got, I think the bacteria that I had was staph. That's what was on the bean sprouts that I ate, those raw bean sprouts. And so I got staph 
in my stomach. And then I think it also went to my eye. And so I started to get the sty again. I noticed it coming in again, right? It wasn't super bad yet. It was nothing like in Poland, but it was hurting and I could definitely notice it. My eye wasn't swollen at that point, but as the food poisoning was kind of gone and my stomach was better, I got the sty one night and me, you know, having my oil of oregano, my grapefruit seed extract and nascent iodine, I instantly took the dosage for the day with that. And then I did it the next three days and it went away completely after the first night actually. And I just kept doing it to make sure that I was safe and it wouldn't come back. But I don't know, once again, is this bro science? Is this maybe just some other occurrence of why it went away? Maybe, but with grapefruit seed extract specifically target targeting staff and styes actually come from staff. That's what it is. Generally, how you get it is if you're rubbing your nostrils, right? And you get kind of a snot, we'll say on your your fingers or your your tips of your fingers, and then you're touching your eyes, that's how you get a sty. And yeah, your nose is basically like a breeding ground for staff. And so being able to take those supplements, I think that actually really helped. And I will credit it to that because I have the experience of having a sty for three weeks and having nothing to take and then having the the three supplements. So I highly recommend you just have these in your, your arsenal. It is kind of a pain because they're glass. And so to carry that around, you have to be careful, right? And just another thing to, you know, put in your bags. But I do recommend carrying this. If you're going to have to choose, I'd say at the very least, you want to have activated charcoal pills. And then if you want to go a few steps further, I would say I would have the oil of oregano and the grapefruit seed extract. And then the iodine I'd skip out on if you want to save money because that is the most expensive one. If you want just one other thing in addition to activated charcoal, I would probably say that you want the oil of oregano. That would probably be the best. Then again, if you're worried about diluting it and all that nonsense, then grapefruit seed extract is just a good one to have. So maybe you take that with you instead. Once again, all three of those will last you a very long time. And I think they're really good investments to have. Another tip, I already mentioned this one with the food, but don't eat anything raw. I'm going to reiterate this. Don't eat anything raw that might have been washed in water and then don't drink the water, the tap water, the shower water, any type of water that isn't bottled you don't want to mess with. Next tip, I think plan ahead for your trip. There's so many things to do in Bangkok, but I don't think they're all necessarily worth it. And it goes back to that, the surface level, there's a lot and maybe things aren't that great, but I feel like there's a lot of hidden gems that I would imagine I missed out on, whether that's the street food or just cool things to see. So I think really plan ahead. That was one of the downsides of me with my travels. I just go to a place and I just figure it out from there. I don't really plan ahead. I just, you know, point to a place on the map and then that's where I go and I figure it out. So that's one of the downsides, but yes, plan ahead. Next thing, if you want to check out Muay Thai fights, I love Muay Thai. And so this was really important for me. This was really the bucket list item. I did get to do this. If you want to check out Muay Thai, there's two promotions that you can check out for free. Okay. And I don't know if they're going to exist still whenever you go, but you want to look these up. One of them is on Friday nights. It's called MBK fight night. And the other is free fights on Sunday afternoons. It's called channel seven boxing stadium. Are these the most technical fights? No. Are they more of brawls? Yes. They're more of the, you know, inexperienced tie fighters coming up, but they're very entertaining. There's more action brawls. Honestly, I hate to say it, but they're more fun to watch. And yeah, the beatings that these guys took, I only went to one night of fights. I went to the MBK fight night. The beatings that they take, it's insane. Like the, the bone on bone that you hear, the swelling, the bleeding, the bruising that you see and what's really unfortunate with 
Thailand in general is that Muay Thai is huge, right? And there's a lot of corruption around Muay Thai, whether that's people gambling or people fixing fights. Basically, if you're a foreigner in Thailand, it's going to be really hard to get the win. The judges are always going to favor with the Thai fighter. You're going to have to go for the knockout, but not knockouts aren't necessarily super common in Muay Thai. And then also Thai people are just in general, it's such a big part of the culture that they grew up being, they grew up training in Muay Thai. So they're really skilled at it. This MBK fight night, it basically was all a foreigner versus a Thai fighter in every single fight. And those foreigners all just got their butts kicked. Like they got destroyed and it's just really a tough life. It was kind of hard to watch, but it was also entertaining. And then seeing the crowd, it's all, you know, Thai people. And then there are a lot of foreigners because it is free. So they're very enthusiastic. It's very loud. It's very fun. They're educated on Muay Thai. So that's interesting as well. They know what's going on. And it really is, I think, a very fun, cool experience to have. So I definitely recommend doing that. If you want to go to actual you know, high level Muay Thai, then that is available as well. If you want to see the established fighters, then you could do that. There's different stadiums. Lumpanini, Lumpani, I think is it how it is pronounced. Lumpani Stadium is one of the big stadiums where you'll see legit fighters and seats are actually more expensive than I thought. Is it really expensive compared to like events in the US for sports? No, but because I was trying to save money, I actually didn't end up doing this even though I wanted to. So to sit ringside, which is really good, it's $60 a ticket. So that's, you know, pretty expensive, but it's not outrageous. So I would recommend doing that if you want to see established Muay Thai fighters. If you are not a fan of Muay Thai, but you want to check it out, if you're curious, I recommend going to the free shows because it will be more appealing to you. It'll be more entertaining. The thing with Muay Thai is it's a very respected sport and there's a lot of respect that goes into it. Like there's ceremonies that happen before fights and it's very slow paced and it can be kind of boring. And then there's also like these, these kind of siren sounds that usually go on and music while the fights are happening too. That's kind of annoying and it's really hard to actually know what's going on in Muay Thai like you're not going to see a lot of knockouts at the high levels because they're more about technique and also like the scoring system in Muay Thai scoring in Muay Thai it's more about kicks rather than punches and so a lot of it is aimed at like the the legs and then the midsection like your rib cage and stuff like that and so you score higher with kicks to the body rather than like punches to the head and so there's more emphasis on that so there's not a ton of knockouts and they're also just super tough so you're probably not going to know what's going on with the technical side, right? If you're not educated on Muay Thai. So yeah, I just think you should go to the free fights then if you are interested. If you actually want to do Muay Thai yourself, and this is what I did. This is the this was the bucket list item was to train in Muay Thai. I only got to do four classes, unfortunately, a class a week for a month. And really why I just did that was once again, I was kind of paranoid with how dirty it was in being barefoot. I was worried about something happening, getting sick or, you know, getting an infection, getting staff isn't always a uh, worry in gyms. Staff infections are huge in gyms, especially MMA type Muay Thai gyms. And also I ripped up my feet really bad with blisters. And that was another reason why I didn't want to go as much, right? Because when you have open skin, that's a worry and I'd have to wear socks and it was painful. So I didn't get to do as much as I wanted. But if you are interested, what I would recommend to you, two places. If you want the more hip modern gym with the famous fighters, they have the arguably the most famous fighter, most successful Muay Thai fighter ever, Senchai. 
He trains at Yakao is what this gym is called. It's Y-O-K-K-A-O. They're really good at marketing and branding. They have a huge Instagram page. It is really a foreigner heavy place. That's usually where people go. It is crowded, but you can go there. It's more expensive compared to, you know, some of the other classes you can take. You can take singular classes, which is nice. You can do do a take classes or which is a unique thing in Thailand is you can like actually live at these Muay Thai gyms. They provide housing and you can train two a days and then they provide meals for you. And it's like the set price. That's a cool experience to have. You can do that for I think like a week to a month usually. So if you're, you know, staying a long time and you really want to get immersed in Muay Thai, a lot of people do that. I met a ton of foreigners where I went that were doing stuff like that. They were actually staying at the gym. Also at Yakao, which is cool, is they have definitely the best shorts. If you want Muay Thai shorts, they have the best ones and their gloves are also really cool. I don't think it's necessarily the best quality in terms of the gloves and the shorts, but the designs and the colors are insane. They're so cool. They're really expensive, but if you're willing to splurge a little bit, that's definitely a cool souvenir to bring home. I have two pairs of Muay Thai shorts that I bought, not from Yakao, but just in general. And I wear those around the house still all the time. I love them. They're like little short, they're like little short shirts basically because you need to be able to have mobility to kick. And so, yeah, I love them. The gym that I went to, this is the one I would recommend. The only problem with it is that it's kind of out of the way. So it is a pain to get there. You're generally gonna wanna take a taxi or a grab you're gonna want to take a grab ride it's called adichai muay thai gym and that's a-t-t-a-c-h-a-i if you want to learn actual muay thai if you don't want to learn watered down crap a lot of the gyms will cater once again to tourism and so they'll teach you watered down techniques they're just kind of giving you a taste of it and you're not really learning anything really like useful they'll just you know hold pads to you and let you kick and punch and whatever and maybe they won't even really work with you especially when places that are really crowded it's not like you're getting a lot of one-on-one time here at adichai muay thai gym you're getting a lot of one-on-one time because there's not a ton of people that train depending on when you go so there's like morning classes afternoon i'd always do the afternoon classes and they would usually have a trainer for each person in the class i think at the most there was like six people which was really nice so i actually got to learn legitimate muay thai which I love at Yakao. It's going to be one of those experiences. There's going to be so many people. You're going to be left on your own to hit the bag and you're probably not going to learn much. So if you are not worried about the convenience of getting there, I definitely recommend this place. You can also pay online or with cash. So that's really convenient as well for single training sessions. Generally, it's going to cost 450 to 500 baht for training sessions for singular training sessions. 500 baht is like 15 bucks for a class, so that's not bad. That's really the range you want to stick to. I think Yakao is either 500 and 550 baht, and then I think Adichai is 450, and 450 is like the low end. So it's it's good pricing, and you're going to get your money's worth. So I highly, highly recommend going there if you want to do Muay Thai. Next tip for the currency. So one bot is 0.031 dollars. So just think 100 bot is three dollars, and that's really what you want to work with. Like I said earlier, there's a ton of 7-Elevens. You'll literally see a 7-Eleven on one side of the street, and then across the street, it'll be facing another 7-Eleven. And then you go down the street, maybe like one minute, and there's another 7-Eleven. It's crazy how many 7-Elevens there are. They're everywhere. And so that's where you can get little snacks. That's where you want to buy your water. 
If you want a SIM card, and once again, I highly recommend SIM cards because you wanna have internet to get around. You wanna be able to use maps. Maybe you wanna just have internet to you know browse, whatever. Maybe if you're taking the bus, you wanna have internet to just you know go on Instagram, go on Facebook, go on the internet, and go on Google, research stuff, watch YouTube, whatever. Thailand has the cheapest SIM cards of any place I've ever been. It's crazy, stupid, cheap. I don't understand how this is even possible. It blows my mind. But here's what you want. This is, I, I'm vehemently telling you, this is the company. AIS, it's called the AIS Traveler SIM card, okay? Two options for you. They have, you know, monthly plans, but if you're just visiting, they have an eight-day unlimited internet plan for $8, and then they have a 15-day unlimited internet plan for $19. It's crazy, stupid, cheap. I can't believe that's how much it costs. And what you'll do is once you get to the airport, when you if you fly into Don Myung Airport, that is where you can just go to the counter at the ASI and then they'll give you a SIM card. That's where I got my first SIM card. So that was really easy. They speak English. You won't have to worry about it. You can also go to the AIS stores in the malls. So if you can't get it at the airport, that is an option for you. Now, if you're in Bangkok, unfortunately, during the bad time of the year, when I was there, it was bad when it's, you know, the rainy season, the monsoon season, it's super humid. It rains a lot. There's going to be days when it's going to be raining and you're probably not going to want to go out. And unfortunately, if that's the case, you're going to want to order in most likely for food. And so a app that I used frequently, I probably use this app like 20 times at least. It's called Food Panda. Works like any app in the US for food ordering. And then there's a ton of restaurants you can choose from depending on the area you're in. And then they'll bring you your food. So I recommend that app if you need to order in. And then I mentioned this earlier, but try and stay near Sukhumvit Road. That's near the city center. You're going to want to be there. Easy time to find food. Easy time to get around with the SkyTrain. For speaking English, you'll have a decent time actually with understanding people. There'll be people that speak enough English to help you, especially in the tourist areas. And then also there's a lot of English and Australian expats. So you'll you know see them. And then also a lot of the businesses that are owned are you know, owned by English or Australian people. And then also I think just in general, when there's a lot of expats, that usually means that people have to brush up on their English if they want to provide services. And so a lot of the businesses, a lot of people that own them, they'll speak English or at least be able to help, you know, a little bit. So Airbnbs, like I said, Airbnbs are actually illegal in Bangkok. And I don't know if it's illegal as in illegal period, or if you need a permit to be able to do Airbnb, but I didn't know that going into it. And then I would notice in the elevators, it would say how it was illegal to use, you know, like Airbnb for these apartment complexes. If you're staying in an apartment complex, though, for a month, I believe it's actually legal at that point. So it's only when it's anything less than that. So I'd usually stay in a place for a week. And so I was really worried. I was kind of paranoid if people would ask me like the staff in these complexes as I was coming in or leaving or when I was finally taking my bags. I was always worried if... They would say something to me or like report me, but nothing ever happened. So that's going to be, once again, if you're comfortable with it, you can do Airbnb. Airbnbs are actually really cheap. I was able to stay in some really nice places. The apartment complexes are insane. They're all really brand new. The only downside is that if you're not staying in the city center, because those are more expensive, those are more like 60 bucks a night. If you're on the outskirts, like I had to do, you're in pretty bad neighborhoods, which sucks. And then you're also you know, kind of far away from everything. But the apartments themselves are very, very nice. And you can get one for like 25 bucks a night and you'll be staying, you know, it'll be like luxury. It's actually crazy as well how 
cheap it is. So that's going to be up to you if you want to do Airbnb instead of a hotel. I probably would go the Airbnb route personally, maybe in the city center, just because I'm opposed to hotels as often as I can. I have a Google map layout with all the sites I went to divided between markets, temples, and the rest. I have all the places I ate at. I had all the Muay Thai gyms on this that I was considering. And it's basically a nice way for you to see everything in relation to each other. And so I also have the Airbnbs I stayed at so you can see where those are at. So if you want that map, if you want access to that, just email me conjayhancock at gmail.com and I'll share the link with you. So that's like a really easy way for you to kind of see where everything's at. And then also it gives you, you know, it'll give you directions basically forever you need to go. That's also something I really recommend that you do, not just for Bangkok, but anytime you travel and when you're preparing and planning, you want to research everything and then you want to put all of it into Google Maps because then it's really easy to just click on the thing that you had and then you find directions instead of always having to type it. And then you can also see the distances in relation to where you're staying. So if you you know put restaurants you're interested in, if you put the things you want to see, then you put where you're staying. It makes things a lot easier. And that's something I started doing, I think, halfway through my travels and it really, really helped. So I definitely think you should do that. As far as things that I liked and things that I didn't like. So what I liked about Bangkok, as I said, overall, I hated it in the beginning. And then I've grown to see that it's kind of just, it was just a rough time. And I do look back on it, I'd say with fond memories, but what I liked, it's stupid cheap. It's a place where your money can get you so far. The apartment complexes are so nice. The M Quartier Mall, I love that. That was a really fun thing to see and go to a lot doing Muay Thai, getting that bucket list item checked off my list. That was a ton of fun. That was challenging. The people I met there were great. I think that was definitely the highlight of my experience in Bangkok. The people in general are really nice in Bangkok. That once again goes to the idea of they're maybe putting on a friendly face to try and scam you, but really, really truly just the day-to-day people you'll meet, the people at restaurants, the people out and about, they are really nice people respect is very important in Thailand. So they're very respectful as well. And then the last thing I liked, and this is something where it's like, I get the appeal for why people love Bangkok. I myself didn't necessarily love it, but I really do understand there's just a certain charm to the city. I can see if you're an expat living there, if you find a good group of friends, if you've got a good job, I think honestly, and you're not you know, concerned too much with the weather, it really is a good place to live because if you've got your nice place you're living at, if you're kind of around everything, it's cheap. There's a lot to do. There's a lot of shenanigans, the nightlife, just, you know, going out drinking the bars, the Muay Thai, just the lifestyle, like the relaxed lifestyle. I, I could see it as a really great place to live for people. I really do get it. And that is something that I wish that I got to experience really is like being there with a group. So if you can do that, I think definitely do that. Now for the things that I didn't like, and there is a lot of them. So the city has been ruined by tourism, and I've never been to a place that's just been so run over by tourism. It it really does, like, I think Bangkok really does cater to tourists, and I would imagine that a lot of, like, the money they make and a big part of their economy is tourism, and so just to see that's kind of unfortunate, and to see what that's kind of, what's happened with that, and then, like, the sex industry as well with 
that and the the, the the catering to tourists and all that entails with that that's just unfortunate especially with a place with such a you know rich history like thailand too many tourists always a thing that i hate there's tons and tons of tourists not so much western tourists but a lot of Chinese tourists you'll see just tourists in general it sucks it's really hard to get around it's super crowded worrying about getting sick from food or water and having to be careful and me being kind of a more paranoid person that was just something that kind of sucked all the time and that was something that was always in the back of my mind not having to worry about that would have been nice the weather is awful it was humid it was hot and then it also rained really badly like it would storm but it would still be humid and hot out it was awful and then there would be lightning storms all the time and it just wasn't the best experience with the weather i think for asia in general good rule of thumb go during the winter so i'd say your your december to march range is probably the best time to go for bangkok specifically that's when you're going to want to go in like that december i'd say to march range probably more january is when you'd want to go if you had the option to choose when summer stay away from even the months leading before summer like the the rain and the storms are a lot worse i didn't have it as bad but yes it does rain a ton it's humid it's hot the weather sucks the traffic and getting around was awful. It would literally take me, and this was one of the reasons why I didn't do a ton of stuff, would, is because it would take me two hours to go somewhere usually at the very least, and then we're looking at probably three hours at the very least to get back if I was staying out until night when it was rush hour. So that would just really, I think, killed my spirit. Too many people in general, not only just with the Thai people on the roads and the cars and the motorbikes, but just in general, like anytime I had to go to a new Airbnb with my luggage, it was such a pain because walking around the streets because it was so crowded, it was just really inconvenient. And I always felt like a, like a, you know, like a jerk because I was taking up all this space and there's people around and it was really hard to squeeze through people. And it just was unfortunate. It was dirty. And I'll say this because I lived in the bad parts. So I actually got to see what it was like. A lot of poverty, rats on the streets. I would see stray dogs everywhere. There were a lot of times where I was worried that I was going to get bitten by dogs because I'd you know be walking to a bus or maybe I'd be walking home and like dogs would start following me or sometimes they'd be barking at me and like looking at me. And I was scared like, oh, is this the time I'm going to get bit by a dog? And that sucked. It was also just really sad. I'm not like when I say stray dogs everywhere, I'm not even kidding. When you go outside the tourist areas, they're everywhere. And I'd even see dogs that were pregnant and you just see them laying on the street helpless and you could tell they're so miserable. It was really sad to see. So that sucked. I think it was also good though, because it was an eye opener to see a place has deep poverty. That was something that, I mean, realistically, and this isn't good in any ways either, but like the worst I've really seen is Skid Row in LA. And so like to go to an actual country where you, yes, there is really nice parts to Bangkok. And yes, it is considered, I think, mostly a first world country in a lot of ways, but to be in those areas and get to see that for myself, I think that was a very good thing to experience. This goes back to the traffic, but it's inconvenient to go to places you're going to want to see, not only because the traffic's so bad, but also because it's just not in the city center. Stuff is so spread out on the outskirts, like the Grand Palace is far off. All the temples are far off, and it's just that's just a pain. And then I also didn't like having to worry about getting scammed or taken advantage of. I feel like you almost lose out on experiences in a way because you're worried about something happening let's say for me i mean this this is all this is also very personal to me maybe this isn't the case for you but like 
how I just wasn't really interested in exploring the street markets because I just didn't know how to navigate them. And so I lost out on really getting to learn about them and maybe finding these hidden gems and these cool things, having these cool experiences or finding these cool things to buy. If I, you know, was more willing to do it or more educated on it than I would have been able to do. I'd say just overall my experience in Bangkok is it was really challenging. Like I think it really at times it broke my spirit because just with the weather being bad and just how much effort you had to put into going to a place and to just being alone all the time and it being super crowded and then maybe not necessarily sleeping the best all the time. That's you. That's at that point in my travels is when I really started to get poor sleep. That's when I really started staying up pretty late and then you know going to, to Japan and then even being back home now. Like my sleep's been awful and it all started in Bangkok kind of like a week and a half into the trip. And yeah, I just, it was a really big, I think, test for me of just how much crap can you deal with without wanting to rip your hair out. And so I think that is just why I didn't like it. I think if I was maybe there for a week, I'd have a different experience. It's funny because my mom and brother are going to Thailand this summer. And I've literally been telling my mom, I'm like, you're gonna hate it there. I don't even know why you're going because it was funny. She was so gung-ho about me not going to Thailand and like being worried about me getting sick or something happening to me and it's like now she's going and she's kind of you know the more conservative type the more like really worried about the food like me and like clean cleanliness and all that stuff and oh she's in for a rude awakening I can't wait to hear what she thought of it after she's done with the trip and yeah my brother I just can't I can't see him liking can't see him liking it but I guess we'll see what they think I think they're gonna go to more places than just Bangkok so maybe it'll be different yeah so that was definitely the longest podcast I've ever done this is the longest one this one's full of information I love it this is pretty cool I hope all of you get through this episode don't be afraid at the timestamp of it because I think you definitely want to check this one out if you guys have any questions as always please email me kanjahancock at gmail.com if you want that google maps guide for the for bangkok i'll give that to you as well if you want to message me kanjahancock is my instagram please subscribe to the podcast rookie mistakes on apple if you could leave a review as well on apple podcasts or on itunes that would be very much appreciated i hope everyone has a wonderful week I will see everyone next week. We'll be able to talk about the first episode of Game of Thrones. Maybe I'll give you my reactions. Probably not. Don't want to spoil anything for anyone. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next week.